Hey, Job. Hey, Gan. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Come on, man. Hit me. Nah. <laughs> hit me what you got, buddy. Everybody thinks that the world is a sphere. Yes. But I don't think that that's true at all. Mm. I think the world is flat. And as such, I believe that we should force other people to believe that as well. Have you ever got a bird in your hands and torn its head off and saw that there was just gears and circuitry inside? Because I have. Birds are not real. They've been lying to us all these years. And no one but me is going to do anything about it. China. <laughs> the uh -huh. biggest economic out exporter in the world. In our current day. Yeah. One little boy gets another bird flu. <laughs> another bird flu. Oh. And suddenly the world is in chaos. Oh, the lip smackies was a good touch. That's good. Yeah. Okay. All right. What? What cost? Bird flu too. Didn't <laughs> just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. It was the United States government trying to get rid of China. Look, that's nothing. <laughs> If you want to get really deep into the muck of how the people out there lie to you, in 1967, not a lot of people know this, Paul McCartney died in a car crash. Well, you may ask yourself, how is he still making music today? But the truth of the matter is, is that he is not. <laughs> well, Paul McCartney... It's actually just a clone. And you could tell if you look on the back of the album art of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Paul is facing the opposite way of everybody else, signifying to the listener of the album that he is actually dead. And it continues. If you look on the cover of Abbey Road, Paul does not have shoes. But all the other Beatles do. In fact, they're the archetypes of the gravedigger, the priest, and the pallbearer. What does that make Paul? That makes Paul the corpse. Ooh. And don't even get me started on what happens if you play the album in reverse. Lip smack noise. Well, then that just settles it. <laughs> In 2007, yeah. the New York Giants, American football team, went to the Super Bowl against the completely undefeated New England Patriots. Eli Manning, their quarterback, is not very good. <laughs> Has never been... Very good. Will never be 
very good. And yet, he's getting into the Hall of Fame. How did the New York Giants win that football game? I like how these conspiracies got worse and worse as they it's went. We can't we can't get worse than just Eli was bad, so he couldn't have won the Super Bowl tier. That's really bad. I don't know. Anyway, that was our bit called Conspiracy Theory Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. If you would like to throw us a like and subscribe uh, to our famous hit comedy podcast, uh, please uh, uh, email the government. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Let them know what we're doing. Yeah. Let them know. Let them know the earth's flat. uh, Can you mail me a bullet? So you go to this so often. I mean, it's just like, look, man, you don't have to be so serious about this. Because <laughs> you know what they say. Why? It's all serious. <laughs> I like how he adds a adds a, uh, a syllable to serious. Serious. Uh. Uh. <laughs> serious. Uh. Hey, hey, we're going to talk about the Dark Knight play. Serious. Ah. Uh. Play, play the theme song, please. Serious! Oh. Sa- save me from this hell. <laughs> oh, no. Everybody, welcome to the Gen and Chubb show. That is Gen. Hey, how's it going? And I am motherfucking Joe. I really, really think that's a little high energy for today, and especially for you. Usually, you are at the low end of energy. Well, because we're always recording like late at night when I want to die. Mm-hmm. Tonight we aren't, so I'm a little more alive. Well, give it a couple hours, and we'll see where we're at. Hopefully we're done in a couple hours, because I gotta go to bed, buddy. I mean, like, why did why did you say that now? Why did you gotta go to bed? Oh, you work a real job. It sucks. And after that, I get to head to <laughs> Pax East. That's right. This episode's recorded in a vacuum. Yeah. And I, by the time this episode comes out on Friday... We're inside a vacuum cleaner? Yeah. I didn't think so. That's why all that all dust right. just kind of, like, swirls around. Oh, that makes sense. Of? Yeah. And, like, I get real mm-hmm. dusty, and I do a little hachoo. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Look at your surroundings, okay? Mm-hmm. You okay? This does look like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be in PAX, I'll be in PAX East uh, when, when this episode drops, but I'm not in PAX East right now. Yeah, just let, I understand the timeline. We got it. So by the time this episode comes out, I won't have a day one impressions of PAX East, but I am very excited. Nintendo just announced that they have a whole-ass Animal Crossing display going on. Yay! And they're giving out little cute Isabel pins. The only Japanese company that's still going. Yeah. Not harassed by the corona. That's because uh, Nintendo has that entire Nintendo America division. Yes, yeah. They're just going to send them. Well, you would think that Sony would have a division here. The Japanese uh, side of Sony is a lot more involved. Yeah, I know. Compared to the, you know, the American side of Nintendo. Like, there's not a whole PlayStation of America. Like, it's, it's not as big as Nintendo of America. Send the film division. They could talk about new hits like the next Adam Sandler film. I do some with that booth space. <laughs> Just have Adam Sandler go to PAX. 
I don't know if it's the same every year because I don't look at the floor plans. But I know last year when I went, as soon as you go down the stairs, Sony's on the left side. Okay. So, hopefully there's something else there, or else it's just going to be a big fucking empty space. And their booth's always fucking huge. So who knows? Nintendo's is usually bigger. So I'm excited about it. I'm just going to walk into a giant haven of Animal Crossing shit. And I'm going to go on Thursday. Because, uh, fuck doing anything at PAX any other day. Thursday's good because there's nowhere near as many people there. Friday's okay. But it's busier. Then Saturday and Sunday, it's just completely fucked. But now that I have that experience and know that, mm-hmm. I could go to the big booths on Thursday. Well, there you go. You then can gradually do, go to smaller booths. Yeah. yeah. Then I can gradually go to small. I didn't really go to any of the big booths last year because by, by the time I decided I should go to them, it was Saturday. And fuck that. <laughs> and it was Sunday. And also, fuck that. So it wasn't worth going. I'm going to get that shit taken care of on Thursday, get all the cute pictures of the Animal Crossing shit, get hype about it. And I can just go fuck around for the next few days in indie booths and play some wild games. So next week, I'll be back with probably a, bu- a bunch of notes about all the games I played at PAX. Okay, and then and then uh, you'll have to keep it brief because we have to talk about the plane scene from The Dark Knight Rises. And it's going to take an hour. That's very possible. I will break that scene down frame by frame. <laughs> no, we will not. No, thank you. I certainly will. <laughs> no, uh, How many times are we going to repeat that scene? Can we watch it next week? Uh, it, it depends. I, I would. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to just watching it twice in a row right, and then so watching I, the rest of the movie. Right. Yes. Yeah, uh, the post-credit scene, if you will, also yeah. known as the entirety of the Dark Knight Rises, besides the opening plane scene. Right. Um. <laughs> But anyway, today we're going to talk about The Dark Knight, which is a far better film. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Great movie. I mean, Rises is still fine. It'll probably still be fairly high on our list if I had to guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. But The Dark Knight's, like, is special. It's important. It's a yeah. big landmark for film. Uh, comic book film, at least. Yeah. I'd argue maybe just all. I uh, think so. It's a big cultural event. It's a trendsetter. Mm-hmm. It has a legacy. And it, it won't go away anytime soon. Um, and we'll talk about that. And probably for the majority of this episode, I have to guess, because there's a lot to talk about because it's such a big movie. Yeah. But uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we get to that? Uh, I'm trying to think. I didn't really do anything new this week. <laughs> I've just been working like a fucking, just a big idiot. Oh, boy. Nothing cool. I played a little bit of Oc- Ocarina of Time Randomizer and Multiworld. And that was fun. But it's just like what you'd expect. If you've heard me talk about multi-world randomizers before, it's the same exact thing except in that game, which I like significantly less than a link to the past. I mean, yeah, there's 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 obvious reasons for that, dude. It's you're an playing old, Ocarina of Time. It's an old game, and it's kind of a broken game. It, it is an old game, and it feels so much like an old game while you're playing it, especially like coming back to it after all these years. So, that's a big problem with the N64 in general, though, is that most of the games on there didn't hold up, but they set a large, like, a really great precedent for the future. So it was important, but also, like, sucks to play now, for the most part. Most N64 games suck to play now. I'd say one of the big exceptions is probably Mario 64. And Ocarina of Time doesn't necessarily always suck to play. It just, like, if you're trying to move around, it just kind of sucks. Early 3D has aged way worse than... Early 2D, even. Any 2D, yeah. But, like, yeah, I think it's comparable, though. 
Because, like, you got your, like, Atari shit, which, like, isn't as replayable as, like, your Nintendo Super Nintendo shit. Right. I would say. Yeah. And I think that's a comparison you can make from the N64 generation to the GameCube, Xbox, PS2 generation. But there's certainly gems in there that will stand the test of time forever. Uh, One of my favorite games of all time, Banjo-Kazooie. I love Super Mario 64. Then you got, uh, you know... Rare's entire legacy, effectively, on the N64 is, like, huge and important. I mean, even, like... I mean, I'm I'm not... I'm not the biggest fan of Banjo-Kazooie like you are. I mean, I enjoy it just fine. But I don't think it's, like, some masterpiece. But first then, one specifically. Right. Yeah, the first one, it's a great game. Too really fun, is. but it is a mess, and it chugs ass on the N64, sure too. Does. Play that Xbox version instead. Uh, it helps tremendously. Speaking of Xbox. Oh, what happened? Um, Microsoft released the specs for the new Xbox today. The Xbox. <laughs> What's the name of it? Series X. Yeah. Okay. I even for I legitimately forgot what it should well, be called. I mean, I guess it's actually called the Xbox. That's fucking stupid. You we have, have an Xbox. You it's have over three there. Of them. Yeah, I have it sitting yeah. right there. It's a Tony Hawk machine, basically. That's all I use it for. Here I am, doing everything I can. Moving uh, on to what uh, I am. I will never get another game. No, you won't. It's the saddest thing in the world. <laughs> So that that big ass motherfucking fridge looking head ass console <laughs> has got twelve whole teraflops. <laughs> All right, which terif- whatever that means. Teraflops are dumb. Bigger than terabyte. No. 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 Has well, nothing to do. With I this. have no clue what a flop is. Then it's just it's it's the way it handles processing data. Um, All right. What's the gigs? It's, I, David said how big the hard drive is. Yeah, they just said it was an SSD, which has me worried. It's going to be like a 500 gigabyte SSD, and you're going to like want to die. Cause yeah, you're going to like be able to download it. Red Dead Redemption Two, and it fills the whole thing. That's right, you're going to be able cool. to download like three games, and then your hard drive will be full. And then that COD update that was happening like a week ago was like so fucking big. Apparently, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, yeah, an update, over. not yep. the actual game itself. It was like 68 gigs or something like that. Mm-hmm. That game's well over 100 gigs now. It's insane. Yeah. That's what games are now. They're, they're all bigger games are going to breach that 100 gig mark. So hard drives need to get bigger. And the thing I worry, always worry about with Xbox and why I think they need to make sure their hard drives are big enough is they don't allow as easy, at least for the Xbox One, they didn't allow as easy accessibility to the hard drive as Sony did with the PS4. Okay. So you're kind of stuck with the hard drive you've got with the Xbox One. The PS4, you could just remove the plate and change out the hard drive. I'm sure if you want to save a little bit of money on the price tag of the console, give me a weaker hard drive and I'll just get a better one later. That's fine, but at least give me that option. With Microsoft Microsoft shit, I'm worried that they won't. Now, the Xbox 360 Slim had that option where you could just open the compartment and the hard drive sitting right there. But the Xbox One didn't have that. Yes. And I hope, I hope that this new one will. Because people are going to be wanting to expand to bigger hard drives. It's going to be a big deal. Hmm. Hopefully we see Sony's response to this soon. I have no idea what the fuck they're going to do. I have no idea what they're doing. They haven't said much. Microsoft's just coming out and doing the big swings. One of the more exciting things about the console, though, is uh, at least for all of 
their titles, and they offer the invitation to third parties to do it too. Once you buy a game for the Xbox, yeah, um, it's you get you're able to play the versions on all consoles. So you can play a downgraded like so if you move going to your Xbox One, you could play a downgraded Xbox One version of that of that game. That's pretty cool. That's really neat. Really you don't have neat. to buy another copy or anything like that. And then uh, one of the the first third party to announce that they were doing that as well was CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk 2077. That's cool. Sony will most likely not do the same thing. <laughs> no fucking way. No. Not a chance. They will make you probably at least pay $30 for that upgrade. Which, fuck off. I had to do that with the PS3 to PS4. That was dumb. And I don't want to do that again. So please... Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it looks like a beast. And it's probably going to be like $600, if I had to guess. Because that thing is powerful. It's a lot of flops. It's a big boy. So, also, I don't know if you want to talk about this. You can do it real quick. Uh, okay. Disney CEO Bob Eger. Eger? Eger. What is what is Eger? Eger. That's not what we're calling him. Retired. No. <laughs> Bob Igus retired from Disney today. Fired? Like, is he I fired? He was fired. No, I, I said retired. Oh, okay. All right. That's what it looked like to me is that he just like retired, stepped down. Whatever. I don't know a whole lot about this yet. Should I look up something? Just to know any uh, details. I don't know, I'm just going to say good riddance. Fuck you, bastard. Wow, dude. Dude, he helped Frankenstein make the monster. I don't know what you're, like, assassinating him for. He's replaced by a theme park lieutenant, apparently. <laughs> That's that what they are sound, now. That doesn't sound great. <laughs> That's what they are now. They're just theme parks. They're even doing their movies. are just theme parks now. Here we are. Well... Oh, well, it'll probably just be the same shit. It won't change. <laughs> uh, speaking of regime changes, can we talk about comic books briefly? Sure, what do you got, buddy? DC head Dan Didio. Oh, I was going to say Dan Snyder. No, no, no. <laughs> well, okay, wait. Dan Snyder... <laughs> Not that bad. Dan Schneider. Oh, yeah, my bad. Real bad. I, I was, think. Oh, yeah. D. Snyder. Probably okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Snyders. Yeah. Keep, a, keep the a, Snyder cut. <laughs> it's a pretty bad movies there, guy. All right, look, anyway. So... Dan Didio has been the head of DC Comics for like probably like more than a decade, uh, okay. maybe like a co-head with Jim Lee, but I think Dan had more executive decision, like a power. So he's like, um, so that that's around when like New Fifty Two stuff started happening. Yes, uh, he was a big, uh, for better or worse, and I think there are positives and negatives about what the New Fifty Two was. He spearheaded that movement. The New Fifty Two was a good idea, right? But execution-wise, it left a lot to be desired. There was great things that came out of it, like Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Batman. Yeah. Um, tons of crazy Grant Morrison multiverse shenanigans. Uh, lots of things. 
but I think the big takeaway I, I have with the new 52 is it was trying to attract a younger audience and a new audience while completely alienating any old audience that was left. And mm. that led to a lot of tension in the fan base as they did things like, you know, hey, are you a fan of Superman? You like how Superman's married to Lois Lane? Too bad. Superman young, inexperienced and edgy now, and he's going to be fucking Wonder Woman from now on. Okay, guys, that's it. We're good here. Are you guys okay with that? And then no one was okay with it. No. <laughs> so, like, goofy. things like that. And it, and it had a really fucking crappy continuity that didn't make a whole lot of sense like somehow i'm supposed to believe that now that you've made it so that batman is younger in in the five year span of him being training to become like that he's been batman for five years when you start the new 52 batman run in that time he's had dick grayson as robin jason todd as robin jason todd fucking died dick grayson became nightwing tim drake as robin tim drake became red robin and Damian Wayne as Robin. That's that, that doesn't happen in five years. That's too much. <laughs> like so, yeah. Probably make a ten, and you would have been okay. Lots of scrunching together of continuities. Uh, and uh, DC, to their credit, but also maybe to their discredit, uh, did their best to retcon the new Fifty Two by having a big storyline and rebirth that uh, only recently got resolved with Doomsday Clock. It was Doctor Manhattan from Watchmen. He did it all. And uh, the success of that story is mixed, in my opinion. I've yeah. read the whole thing. The ending is the worst part <laughs> to me. Uh, I didn't like it too much. I don't like that. I'm, even, I'm not even interested in that as a concept. It's just kind of dumb. Well, well, here's the thing. As soon as that HBO Watchmen series came out, I didn't give a fuck about Doomsday Clock. Because as a Watchmen sequel, it is the best execution of that idea. And it made Doomsday Clock look like shit by comparison. Not that Doomsday Clock is shit, but by comparison, it felt like they thought about the concepts of Watchmen and what that means more with the HBO TV show. Anyway, so Dan Didio um, sucks, and I'm glad he's gone. Dang. Uh, In a similar way to Iger, except not probably that bad. Uh, Certainly, there are a lot of creators defending him. You got this weird space on comics Twitter right now where there's a lot of people going like, you know, and nothing of value was lost over uh, Dan Didio leaving DC Comics. But then you have a lot of creators going like, oh, well, you know, say what you will about him, but he got me into this industry and this and this and this and this and this. And I'm sure he's done lots of good things, but the fact remains he has several questionable creative decisions under his belt, and there's a lot of uh, DC handling uh, things like sexual harassment really bad under his watch. So, like... And uh, maybe some gatekeeping of the females under his watch. A lot of that kind of shit. That's so later i'm i'm good with that (laughs) like sometimes you need a change and sometimes change could be good sometimes you need to not just uh keep doing what worked before (laughs) which may transition us into uh the dark knight a bit Because, I mean, really, like, a lot of the problem with the New 52 was they were trying to handle comics as everything is dark and gritty and for teens to adults now. Right. Um, 
and that doesn't necessarily work with every single character. Like definitely not. Batman, I mean, sure, and and maybe several of the other DC characters. But like you know, you're telling this like dark, gritty, fucked up take on Superman. It's not necessarily going to work. It's not as exciting. Um, I don't think. I used to. Ooh, excuse me. I it could. It be, could with the right circumstances, but it is very tricky to pull off. I would say. Yeah. I, I used to be on the opposite of that, where I thought Superman was like really boring. Like, I, I think it think, depends. I, I think, think he's as, I don't think Superman's a concept is as boring now. I think it's fine. I think it's I think it's fine to have that kind of character. Yeah. I used to think that too, but like then I read All Star Superman. Yeah. And that's the goddamn shit. Yeah. Like read that. Oh my god. I've that's like the, one of the best Superman stories ever made. Mm-hmm. And it represents what he represents perfectly. Right, and that's a big thing. Grant think- Morrison and Frank Quietly, All Star yep. Superman. Good old C- conversely, All Star Batman. Not not great. <laughs> what does he call Robin? No one. A, a word that I don't necessarily want to say on a podcast, but it means uh, mentally don't, challenged. Don't say that word. <laughs> don't take the bait. <laughs> yeah, you laid that on thick. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, not only does he do that, but uh, he claims to be the goddamn Batman, and he feeds Robin rats, and... Uh, no, nothing is written well. I think the Joker's part of the Yakuza. He's got one of them, like, Kiryu dragon tattoos on his back. <laughs> Fuck. Suffice. It doesn't make any sense. Fuck it. Whatever. Who cares? It's gone now. The evil has been defeated. <laughs> it's dead and gone. At least we got I'm the goddamn Batman still. It's it's funny. I'll give you that. It's the only good thing we've gotten out of the whole thing. There, there is a large... Well, I wouldn't say large. There's a subsect of people that think All-Star Batman and Robin is good because it is satire. I am of the opinion that it isn't at all. I think no. I think Frank Miller thought he was telling a really edgy, interesting take on the character. Yeah, and he wasn't doing it. He was not completely satirizing Batman. Yeah, I think once it came out and people started making fun of it a lot, they leaned into the satirical elements more. Yeah. And that's pretty obvious because by the end of that like first volume, I think you have... Uh, they need to talk. Batman and Robin need to talk to Green Lantern, so they paint this room yellow, and paint themselves yellow, so that Green Lantern can't do anything. Which is a thing, by the way. Apparently, yeah, it's yeah. not really a thing, but it's like one of those jokes. Like, haha, all Aquaman does is talk to fish. Right. So, like, <laughs> you throw a banana at the Green Lantern. It, it and kill became it. less serious as it went on, for sure. Anywho. I didn't even want to talk about Batman and Robin. (laughs) Amazing. I don't know. You just want to jump into the Dark Knight? Because we're going to be talking about it for a long time. So it might as well be the whole episode. Yeah. I got nothing else to talk about. Don't stop making noises forever. Batman forever, if you will. Hey. (laughs) What a good transition. All right, anyway. He's a dark knight. <laughs> All right, the dark knight. So before Batman Begins was even released, uh, your, your boy, Blade Trinity director, David S. Goyer, <laughs> uh, wrote treatments for two potential sequels. Uh, the plan, it's all part of the plan, was to introduce the Joker and Harvey Dent in the second film and then have the Joker scar Harvey in the courtroom like in the comics, in the third film. And then Harvey Dent would be the villain of the third film. So Goyer did come up with the story of what would end up being the Dark Knight, along with Christopher Nolan. 
but he would not write the screenplay this time around. He would just be story by, not screenplay by. Uh, Nolan instead teamed up with his brother, Jonathan Nolan, uh, to write the script. The brothers eventually decided to have Harvey turn into Two-Face in the second film, not the third, to make their film and its arcs feel more complete. Uh, what's your take on this? I feel like it would have been cool to set up like an overarching story that goes into the third movie with Two-Face being the villain of the third movie as his own. I get it either way. Um, I think they lucked out on this one because I actually don't think Two-Face in this movie is very compelling. <laughs> so I think... They sure thought so because he's he's like almost the main character. Right. Like it, the arc of Harvey Dent is the arc of the movie. I don't mind that part. I think yeah. I think the two face part. The two not the Harvey Dent part, the two face part. Right. That's when it gets I'm okay shit. with that. Yeah, yeah, so like I think they kinda lucked out with kinda doing his entire arc of this movie. I don't think it's as bad as as I I don't know. The Dark Knight's still a great film, but like yeah, even great films have like little things in them that were like that that could have probably been better. And one of those major things is him going like Rachel yeah! <laughs> Right. His performance is not always the best in this movie. I still like Aaron Eckhart, though. Yeah, but anyway. Aaron Eckhart was great in this movie when he was a little more subtle. But then <laughs> as he makes that transition into Two-Face and he becomes a little ridiculous, he doesn't... He either... He needed to go one of two directions with it. He needed to either, like, ham it up to, like, a thousand. That wasn't going to be what they would do. Right. Yeah. So, so without the option of that, he needed to really tone it down. And the problem is, he didn't really... He kind of just pumped it up to 80. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm assuming. So Goyer's initial story pitch was heavily influenced, uh, once again, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's Batman The Long Halloween. Yeah. Uh, after meeting with Neil Adams, uh, Goyer incorporated elements of Adams and Denny O'Neill's story, The Joker's Five-Way Revenge. Um, and then once Jonathan Nolan was on board, he suggested looking at the very genesis of The Joker, Batman Issue 1 from 1940. And yeah, there's lots of elements of that in this movie. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, the Joker like in his first appearance was very much like what you would think of when you think of the character. Yeah. A lot of the time you think like, you know, well, maybe like the character will evolve into something over time and like, yeah, there's lots of changes and things, but like the Joker and his ideals and how violent and fucked up he is is there from the beginning. It's kind of interesting. Obviously, like, later it got, like, <laughs> kind of fucked up when they did 60s. Yeah. And uh, 60s Batman show, and then he's just, like, a farce there. But everyone was a farce by yeah, that, then. That, that was a magic up. You know, things ebb and flow. Uh, <laughs> um, so, oh, and of course, Alan Moore and Brian Bullen's Batman the Killing Joke was an influence. Uh, and they also consulted Jerry Robinson, the co-creator of the Joker. So they did their homework. It shows. As Christopher Nolan says, as we looked through the comics, there was this fascinating idea that Batman's presence in Gotham actually attracts criminals to Gotham, attracts lunacy. When you're dealing with questionable notions like people taking the law into their own hands, you have to really ask, where does that lead? That's what makes the character so dark, because he expresses a vengeful desire. Uh, the Nolans also were heavily inspired by the 1933 film The Testament of Dr. Mabuse. Or Mabuse? I don't know. It just looks like Mabuse. <laughs> Which uh, Christopher described as essential research for anyone attempting to write a supervillain. Uh, Christopher Nolan also cited the film Heat as an inspiration in how to tell a story about an entire city. 
Uh, Nolan never wanted to present an origin for the Joker like uh, Batman 1989 did, uh, saying, quote, The Joker we meet in the Dark Knight is fully formed. To me, the Joker is an absolute. There are no shades of gray to him, maybe shades of purple. He's unbelievably dark. He bursts in just as he did in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So Christian Bale returns as Batman. Of course, uh, a tad leaner and less muscled up than he was for Begins, which was practical as the new suit design for this movie was more lightweight and allowed him to move easier. Uh, Bale on Batman's role in the sequel is uh, as follows this quote here. Now you have not just a young man in pain attempting to find some kind of an answer. You have somebody who actually has power, who is burdened by that power and is having to recognize the difference between attaining that power and holding on to it. His crusade is something that has an end, but can he quit and have an ordinary life? The kind of manic intensity someone has to have to maintain the passion and the anger that they felt as a child takes an effort after a while to keep doing that. At some point, you have to exercise your demons. Uh, Bale previously stated that he felt previous Batman films let the villains upstage the hero. Like the Burton and Schumacher films, of course. Uh, But he wasn't worried about the incoming Joker. Uh, quote, I have no problem with competing with somebody else, and that's going to make a better movie. Uh, perfect way to go about that, really. Yeah, I don't think Batman out... I mean, like, Heath Ledger's obviously the star of this movie, for sure, but I don't think there's, at any point, you're not thinking about all the other characters, too. Right, no... I, I think it, it's really well-balanced. Yeah, no, it's not like... It's not like Batman 89, where, like, Batman's a side character. In it, Almost, yeah. Right. This, this is very Vicky much... Vicky Vale has more screen time than him in that movie. Maybe even the reporter guy. Yeah. Who I don't even know the name of. It's very strange, but yeah, no, that's not the case. This is still very much, like, focused on Batman. So Michael Caine returns to play Alfred. Gary Oldman returns to play James Gordon. Morgan Freeman returns to play Lucius Fox. But... It wouldn't be a comic book movie sequel without a cast member declining to return. Yup. <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal replaces Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes, uh, as Holmes wanted to star in the film Mad Money. Uh, by the way, uh, no real reason to bring this up or anything, but uh, incidentally, Mad Money's worldwide gross was $26.4 million on a $22 million budget, and The Dark Knight made uh, over a billion dollars. So, I mean, you know, no real reason to bring that up or anything. Damn. <laughs> Just uh... <laughs> Damn. I mean, I don't know. Tom Cruise probably already did. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. Well, I mean, he dragged her career into into the dirt. Yeah, he did. I mean, like, is what I'm really mad. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, new characters. Oh, boy. Aaron Eckhart, your boy. Yep, here he is. Rachel! No! Wow! As Harvey Dent. A character <laughs> Goyer and Nolan cut from Begins in favor of Rachel Dawes because they felt that, like, they couldn't do Dent justice, but then they tackled him in the sequel. It's clear they were passionate about Dent's character and the long Halloween in the writing of this movie, for yeah. sure. Uh, other actors interested in the role included Lee Schreiber... Mark Ruffalo, huh. Matt Damon, and Hugh Jackman, who I really can't see as him at all. Uh, maybe Damon. Maybe. maybe Ruffalo. Ruffalo could do it. 
Ruffalo could probably pull off the two face parts better than Eckhart. I think actually, so. probably yeah. Now that we know how he plays like both Banner and the Hulk and does a good job at both, yeah. I think. But anyway, Nolan chose Eckhart because he had, quote, that kind of chiseled American hero quality. Uh, Nolan had in mind Robert Redford, and Eckhart had in mind the Kennedys. Uh, Eckhart was interested in heroes who went bad and had played them before, and Nolan wanted to portray Two-Face as a twisted vigilante rather than a crime boss like he is in the comics usually. Right. Uh, Nolan also told told Eckhart to not portray Two-Face as, quote, jokey with slurping sounds or tics, uh, which sounds like a pretty obvious dunk on Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever. Absolutely is. (laughs) Be that as it may, (laughs) who puts in the better performance, Jusby? It is Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. But still, like, you had to think about it. I did. Uh, (laughs) I really did. Eckhart describes Dent. Slash Two-Face as, quote, still true to himself. He's a crime fighter. He's not killing good people. He's not a bad guy, not purely. And this statement uh, really makes me wonder if this was made before the script was finalized. Probably. As uh, Harvey's about to fucking murder Gordon's wife and kids in this movie. So that doesn't really line up, Mr. Eckhart. Yeah. <laughs> what are you like, fucking talking about? And like up until that point, that statement is true, where he's just like he's just going around killing people who were working for the joke. Who wronged him? Yeah. Even if you went as far as to say Gordon wronged him, what do the wife and kids have to do with it? Right. Um, that's that's the problem. That that kind of falls apart right at the end. A little bit. And of course, your biggest new character, for sure. Heath Ledger, playing the Joker, role of a lifetime, possibly one of the best, possibly the best comic book villain of all time. Yeah, portrayal. I think. I don't. What even comes close to it? I can't think of one. I mean, yeah, maybe Nicholson. In, the, in like a live action setting, because the only one I would see live is action Mark, setting. Mark Hamill's Joker. I mean, like if we ever eventually, I'm keeping a tally like in my head, like rank the villains of the movies we've seen here. Uh, Hamill's gonna be high. Nicholson's gonna be high. Ledger's gonna be high. It's gonna be like three Jokers at the top, probably. Right. Which is cool. And then Leto won't be. <laughs> no. Leto will be probably at might be at the bottom, my dude. Uh, well. I think Sharon Stone will be at the bottom from Catwoman. Mm, yeah. But other than that... And Leto probably will yeah. be Yeah. Um, remember when Jared Leto, just, Jared Leto Joker just lays in a pile of knives? We talked about this already multiple times. I know, but, but yeah. I have to keep reminding you. It bears repeating. He's also not even the villain of that movie, so I don't know if I would list him as... The, I mean, he's like partially the villain, but it's a movie about villains. It's not as clear-cut as, like, Black Mask is the villain of Birds of Prey. Like, the villain of Suicide Squad is fucking Enchantress. But then Joker shows up to fuck with him, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll get, we'll get to it when we get to it. Fuck that movie. Let's not talk about that movie. Let's <laughs> pretend that movie didn't exist. So, the role of the Joker was sought after by Paul Bettany, Steve Carell... That would have been really weird. Uh, Adrian Brody and Robin Williams again. Uh, But Nolan (laughs) had wanted to work with Ledger for a while. Uh, He even considered casting him for Batman before Bale was cast. Uh, Ledger was given The Killing Joke and Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, uh, to read, to prepare for the role, uh, which he, quote, really tried to read and put it down. Uh, (laughs) Instead... 
Ledger went super method and lived alone in a hotel room for a month, creating the character's movements, posture, and personality. He kept a diary for the Joker's thoughts, and the fact that we can't see that sucks like i really want to know what he wrote down in that diet it's probably fucking fascinating the fact that there's not as much like behind the scenes material as you would expect for this performance kind of sucks i realize why they're kind of like uh holding that shit close to their chest because like you know it's fucked up because you know of course he died this is the role that also it's a fantastic performance this is also the role i think it killed him uh it's hard to say We'll talk about his death later, though. Right. Um, I definitely wrote some stuff down about it. That's important. Yeah. So instead, Ledger, you know, did the diary. He develops a voice that doesn't sound like Jack Nicholson's take on the character, although Heath admitted this was difficult because he kept thinking about that performance. Um, Ledger said early starting points informing the character for him were Sid Vicious and A Clockwork Orange. But, quote, we kind of flew far away from that pretty quickly and into another world altogether. Uh, When the time came for rehearsals, Ledger's performance mesmerized Nolan and the entire cast. As Aaron Eckhart remembers, quote, Chris looked at me and he said, Heath is doing something special. And we all felt that way. When you have Gary Oldman, who's one of our greatest actors, and he's in awe of what Heath was doing, it showed what a performance Heath was giving. Uh... So, lots of other people in this movie. This movie has a humongous cast, bigger than Begins's, yeah, uh, with so many plates spinning, so many things happening all across this movie. Let's briefly go through uh, the scores of people that are in this movie. We got... Uh, I, uh, NG is this man's first name. I don't know how to say that. I'm not going to say it. I feel like it could get taken out of context if I try to pronounce it. His last name is Han. (laughs) I'll go with that. As Lao, uh, he will be playing Shang Tsung in an upcoming Mortal Kombat reboot. Oh, I forgot about that. That's happening, apparently. Eric Roberts as Salvatore Moroni. He's Julia Roberts' brother. He's been in a lot. I like him as, like, you know, the guy filling the void. Uh, that Falcone left from the last movie. Uh, Richie Coster as Chechen, a.k.a. My dogs are hungry. <laughs> uh, you can see him in the second season of True Detective uh, and the show Happy, which is uh, pretty underrated and good. Anthony Michael Hall as news reporter Mike Engel. He's best known for his role as Brian, the nerdy kid from The Breakfast Club. Just randomly shows up in this movie, too. Uh, as well as roles in 16 Candles and Weird Science. Uh, this one blew my mind. Keith uh, Cesarabajka. Zarabajka. As Gerard Stevens. Uh, now, he's in the interrogation room when the Joker's going like, you know, would you like to know which one of your friends were cowards? And then he goes to, like, beat the shit out of the Joker. Yeah. Uh, so he does a lot of voiceover work for animated shows and video games. Of particular note, he lent his voice and mo-capped likeness to the character of Herschel Biggs in L.A. Noir, oh. And, uh, yeah, it looks just like him. It's weird. Yeah. He's like the arson partner. Right, yeah. Uh, narrates the game, too. Got a good voice. 
Uh, Joshua Harto as Coleman Reese, the Wayne Enterprises accountant who deduces Batman as Bruce Wayne. Michael Jai White as Gamble, a.k.a. Enough with the Clown. Uh, White is most recognized as Black Dynamite, but also portrayed Spawn in Spawn, which is not good. Black Dynamite, though? Black Dynamite, fucking amazing. (laughs) That movie is one of my favorites. Hilarious movie. But Black Dynamite. I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> what's what's the best part of that movie? Because I think it's, it's the M and M's. The M and M's pretty good. Company <laughs> it's the most convoluted dumb shit. Thing. Oh oh, when they're they they have that whole like you know, but this means this, and then yeah. that means that. That's right. No, I think it's when he hits somebody with something, and then he says, "Ha! I threw that shit before I even entered the room." That's yeah. the best thing ever. That's also great. Yeah. <laughs> Entire movie is the best thing ever. Uh, and there was also an animated series that he reprised his role in, which yeah. uh, is not as good, it's but it, it's still pretty funny. Yeah, didn't last very long. Uh, Nestor Carbonell as Mayor Garcia. He'll reprise his role uh, next week in The Dark Knight Rises. Sure will. Uh, Tom Tiny Lister as the large inmate who throws the boat detonator away. Give it to me, and I'll do what you should have done ten minutes ago. Uh, Lister had a wrestling career and appears usually in films uh, the same way he does here. A large man. <laughs> Imposing figure man. He is a large man. That's that's how he is. William Fichtner as the bank manager, a.k.a. you and your friends are dead. Uh, he played. Now, I know. I know. I, drum roll, please, for this. The accountant in Drive Angry. Oh. Okay, do it again though. I know. I know. Ken Rosenberg in GTA Vice City in San Andreas. That blew my mind a bit. That's really weird. Yeah. I've heard cool. those cutscenes more times than I care to admit. Of that guy saying he's been up all night with the lights on, drinking coffee. Uh, and Cillian Murphy's back as Scarecrow in a very brief scene. Where he Very just brief. instantly gets taken out by Batman. But it, you know, resolves the loose end of Scarecrow. Because he's out and about at the end of Begins. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's cool that they still let him be in this movie. And he's out there like, but Batman, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> With fear toxin in them for... Some reason? He's, fucking, he's just fucking with people. He's a dick. Scarecrow's whole thing is he's yeah. a dick and just want, like, wants to watch people freak out. Yes. It's like his whole, his whole shtick. Oh, I, I know. Great. I, I enjoy that, actually. I wish you, there were, if, if Ledger didn't die, it would have been cool to see if the Joker could have been in this very brief capacity in the next movie, just like Scarecrow was here. Would have been really neat. I don't think Joker, I don't think. I think he would have been a way bigger part. Oh, yeah. But like, that could be a brief. Comment. I wouldn't even mind it if he was just a small bit, because just seeing him for a minute might make you remember his scene like really, really well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, costume designer Lindy Hemming develops the Joker's look and costume, iconic as fuck. Yeah, uh, taking inspiration from Iggy Pop, Johnny Rotten, other counterculture icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mask was described by Ledger as a new technology and took less than an hour to apply as opposed to normal prosthetics. I mean, we talked about like Danny DeVito having to sit in makeup for eight hours to be the penguin. Uh, Ledger said he felt he was barely wearing any makeup. Probably helped his performance a lot. Felt real and shit. 
the Bat Pod is introduced in this film, designed by production designer Nathan Crowley, who designed the Tumblr for the last movie. Yeah, stoke. Uh, stuntman Jean Pierre Goy was the only person who could manage to ride the vehicle properly, as it was incredibly hard to balance. Uh, he even stated he had to quote nearly unlearn how to ride a motorcycle to drive it. Uh, Bale insisted to drive it, <laughs> but was turned down for the team by the team for like obvious safety reasons. Uh, Hans Zimmer and James and Newton. Like, I want to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts yelling at him and motherfucking him and shit. And then you know, wait, that was the Terminator Salvation. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me drive the fucking bike. Oh, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> So Hans so Zimmer. So you get to drive a fucking bike. <laughs> Why not they? Jesus. He's never gonna live that down. But like, like no matter how good he is, there's he's there's amazing, always the gonna way. be like, hey, remember when you like fucking yelled at everybody on the set of Terminator Four? Do you blame him? No, I'm sure it was a very stupid production. And it resulted in a very stupid movie. Yeah, it did, buddy. But this movie, good. Uh-huh. So, Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard <laughs> returned to score the film and began composing even before the shoot, which is very atypical, uh, sending Nolan an iPod with 10 hours of their recordings before shooting began. That's dope. Uh, Why So Serious, the theme for the Joker, uh, is based on just two notes. Uh, Zimmer compared this simplistic style to Kraftwerk and The Damned, <laughs> which yeah. don't sound like very much, but hey, I get it. I, I kind of get what he's going Stylistically at. Stylistically. Simplistic. Yeah. Uh, he also suggested that he considered changing the theme after Ledger died, but he decided to uh, not compromise and keep the theme as, like, you know, super evil sounding, super dark. I'm glad that they kept it the same because yeah. that theme is amazing. pretty pretty iconic. The yeah. music from this movie is impeccable. Part of Batman Begins was filmed in Chicago, and Nolan had such a great time filming there that he decided to film in Chicago for more in The Dark Knight, 13 weeks of its production. Uh, in Batman Begins, CGI was used to remove certain recognizable landmarks from Chicago, uh, but for The Dark Knight, there was a lot less removal of things. Uh, they just decided, fuck it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I was cool with it, because I, I think I talked about this earlier in our Batman series, mm -hmm. that I... I always think of Gotham as being like closer to Chicago. Yeah, I'm okay than with other that. cities. So seeing it like literally being Chicago, it's totally cool with me. I I'm okay with it too. I certainly think more Chicago than New York. Yeah. Or L. A. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Uh, many Chicago buildings and loca locations are visible in the film. One of these locations was an abandoned Brock's candy factory which the film crew used to represent Gotham General Hospital and then blew it up. Yeah. Locals were worried that it was a terrorist attack. Uh, it was, but a fictional one. <laughs> During the Chicago shoot, the Dark Knight was disguised under a different film name, as is common for, for big film productions. I'm sure you've heard, you know. Yeah. Return of the Jedi filmed under the name Blue Harvest so that, you know, crazy fans didn't swarm, you know, the woods they were filming Ewoks in. Yeah. Uh, but um, so they uh, the supposed film was called Rory's First Kiss. <laughs> However, 
it was incredibly obvious that it's a new Batman movie being filmed. Uh, film critic Richard Roper, a Chicago resident who writes for the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, criticized the production. He said, quote, Is there a Bat fan in the world that doesn't know Rory's first kiss is actually the Dark Knight, which has been filming in Chicago for weeks? They weren't trying to hide it, I guess. <laughs> they just wanted some people to stay away. Uh, the Hong Kong scene was shot on location. According to returning cinematographer Wally Pfister, working with the city officials, who were concerned with everything from noise level to pollution, was a nightmare. Uh, in fact, a planned real skyscraper jump uh, from Batman had to be done in CGI instead. They were going to do that for real. Damn. The stuntman. Weren't allowed by Hong Kong. Uh, Nolan shot four sequences of the film on IMAX, which... Uh, was a newer technology at the time, yeah. at least to be used uh, to this degree. Uh, this format is one that he would fall in love with and continue to use in his films to this day, uh, which is becoming more and more frequent. Yeah, IMAX is getting incredibly popular for filmmaking. Well, stuff is so super high definition now that, like, yeah. It's more viable. It's the move. For IMAX, yeah. yeah. Before it was a lot of post to make IMAX work well. Yes. You can do it right when you're filming now. It's wild. Uh, the sequences where the Joker shot video warnings uh, were actually shot and directed by Ledger, not Nolan. Uh, uh, Nolan yeah. felt he could trust Ledger after being so impressed with the first video message shoot uh, that he let Ledger run the show completely for the next one. And I mean, like, it worked. He's so yeah. into his character that he just pulls that off tremendously Oh, yeah, well. he does an amazing job. Mm. So, um... I think everything else would be post the film coming out, or at least like leading up to it coming out. So I don't know. Let's just talk about the movie. I'll talk about that shit after. Okay. What's uh? What happens in the Dirkman? So Dirkman starts mm -hmm. with some some criminy eyes, some criminy guys. Criminy. Some criminies. <laughs> some big criminos. Big crim. Big big crims. <laughs> Group of crims about to rob a Gotham bank, and they're all wearing. Jokies. Jokey masks. And if you it, coming off of Batman Begins, you automatically know, like, oh, these are Joker's guys. Takes you about two seconds to figure that one out. Mm-hmm. I think you also see a card or something. I forget which. Oh, what? There's a big identifier that tells you it's Joker's gang, too. I think, I think you see a Joker card, don't you? Uh, I don't know. If I remember correctly. At the end of Batman Begins. No, no, no. I'm not I'm talking about the, this first scene here. I mean, they, like, just talk about it openly immediately. That's okay, yeah. That's, they, they just and they're talk just about like, it. guy calls himself the Joker. And, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious what's happening. Yeah, it's happening a big here. setup. Yeah, and then, uh, so as these these boys are robbing up this bank, they're, like, slowly killing each other. Yes. And that's a promise for a bigger cut of the money they're about to steal. Yeah, the implication being the Joker said, hey, off this guy when he's done doing his job, and I'll give you a bigger cut. Right. Yeah. But and then that, everybody has that. Right. <laughs> so Joker assigned each person another person to kill until there was one left. And then he kills that and one. And then Joker kills that <laughs> he's, he's there undercover in the operation as well, getting his hands dirty. Yes. As he likes to do. That's a great reveal, by the way. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. You wouldn't expect him to actually be there. And then it kind of gives you, right, right away, it kind of gives you the feel of what he is in this movie, where he's very hands-on. This is a god-tier way to introduce a character. Yeah. Uh, the openings of all three movies are uh, interesting in their own way. 
Yeah. Uh, Nolan tries to replicate this success with the next one, and let's just say the results are iffy. It's way funny. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say that. It's, it's God tier, dude. <laughs> but this, but this scene is great for sure. Um, oh yeah, and it's important to note that he's robbing a mafia-controlled bank because uh, your boy Wally Fister <laughs> comes out of there uh, shooting at him, going, yep. "You and your friends are dead," and you know all that shit. Yep. But then he'd die, too. Oops. Maybe. I mean, I ah, guess yes. Joker, as Joker's about to run away with a bus who that bursts into the building and kills the last guy, by the way, the last robber. Yeah. He ties he ties a string to the, to, the, to the bus, and then on the other end of the string, he ties the pin to a smoke grenade and puts the smoke grenade in the dude's mouth. And then starts driving away, and the smoke grenade like pops in. It might be a tear-ass canister. His first tell. line is... Uh, I believe that whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Good tone setter. Yeah. Uh, every line of dialogue the Joker says in this movie is memorable, mm-hmm. which is crazy. A lot of it has to do with delivery. Yeah. Ledger does the best possible job. Like, no, is anybody else going to have this good of a Joker ever again? Probably not. It's hard to tell. I don't, I don't think so. Joaquin just won an Oscar. Yeah, I think uh, it's a completely different take. Yeah, on it, yeah, no, no, no. The, the the Joker that Joaquin represents is not like the villain Joker yet. No, and like I think Joaquin does a fantastic job as like a more vulnerable character that is evolving into something more sinister. Yeah, but even by the end of that movie, he's still not like. We will talk about it more once we get to it, but he's not still not like like this level, you know? Yeah, I got you. He's not even like a typical level of like Joker villain. Uh huh. It's a very different kind of character. And no, he doesn't do as good of a job as Ledger. Not even close. So there you go. Close, but no. It's like comparing a nine to a ten. Right. I'd say yeah. So after that scene happens, we're like, oh man, cool jokey time. Um. <laughs> so now we have to get introduced to Batman. Yes. Uh. Th- basically. We have a trio of scenes introducing our main trio. Yeah. We introduce the Joker, then we introduce Batman, then we introduce Harvey Dent. Right. In so the three Batman. scenes that are meant to, like, explain and describe their ideals, I guess. They work all tremendously well. I think so. Except maybe the Harvey Dent one, but we'll get to that. So the Batman one. Yes. is fun. It's fun. One. I liked it. You get mob guy. <laughs> His dogs are hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Pulling up to complain to a familiar face, Scarecrow. Yeah. About drugs that yeah. he's been apparently selling people uh-huh. laced with his tear, with his fear gas. So yeah. I almost said tear gas. Fear gas. I, I mean, either or wouldn't be good to put in your nose. No, I don't think so. I think. You just, you just lacing coke with it? I guess. I don't know. What drugs do you think they're selling? And your mobsters really like coke. But most I, I got like, the sense that this is more of like a coke deal than like yeah, anything else. It, it's mob shit, so usually it's coke. Sure. Would you get so they, they start fighting? They start arguing. Uh, mob guy says, "My dogs are hungry." Yes, he does. He does do that. Yes. And then again, he got dogs. They're all barking. Uh huh. His dogs. Sick him on him. That sick him on scarecrow. He doesn't give a shit. And then a dude who kind of looks like Batman starts shooting at everybody. But that's probably a key to know that it's not Batman. Because he's shooting. shooting. Right. And so what this shows us is that we have Batman's influences spread. 
and we have to the point uh, where there's copycats. Yeah, right. We have copycat vigilante boys trying to go around solve crimes themselves and getting themselves killed. Probably, uh, you know, you're just hanging out, <laughs> drinking a couple ones with the boys, and uh, you know, let's just go out and like you know beat up some drug dealers, dude. Yeah, hell yeah, bat boys, bat boys. <laughs> I wouldn't trust any American to do that because they'll probably just beat up drug users. This is technically what they're doing. I I know that they're targeting the actual suppliers, which is better than just targeting the users. Right. But who knows what they did with the rest of their evening before they got here. Right. That's the same. Probably probably a little Mm. problematic. I, I view this as a somewhat of a comic reference to The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Where uh, the mutant gang... <laughs> Which, that's a whole other story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, after their leader was thoroughly fuckboyed on by Batman, <laughs> immediately turned away from him, and we're like, oh, Batman's the shit now. We're going to emulate Batman and uh, do that shit. And, you know, but they use guns and shit because they don't know any better. And they need Batman to tell them not to use guns and shit. Or just not do it at all. That'd be the... That'd be the uh, Preference, I think. Well, Dark Knight Returns is more fucked up. Batman uses them as an army. Yeah. But uh, here, Batman's just like, no. Don't do that, <laughs> homie. It's sorry, he's actually like, no. no. What, what <laughs> good did the gun do you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's a good point, to, a good time to mention how Bale goes more in with the darky uh, Batman gets- voice. Somehow the low key Batman, it, the voice gets worse in this movie. It's a little more subtle. And he begins. leans into going with your death metal growl in this one, as opposed to what he did in Batman Begins. I don't know whose idea it was to do that. Maybe Bale's, probably Bale's, maybe Nolan's. Either way, Doesn't it's the good. most easy to make fun of aspect of these three movies, and not my personal favorite part about them i think you can still take them seriously even with it I think but it's, you know it's not that bad but it's still kind of bad thankfully batman doesn't talk a lot bruce wayne does usually so that's fine usually that works out in their favor because bale is an excellent bruce wayne yes god tier bruce wayne he takes out everybody and that including the the batman wannabes yep ties them all up and they're like, what makes us different from you? And he's like, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> zooms away. And now we get to meet Harvey Dent. Yep. What's he doing? If I remember correctly. Uh-huh. He is, uh... He's in court. a courtroom. Yeah. yeah. He's, the, he's in the courtroom arguing with the dude. Rachel Doss is there. Yes. Right next to him. They're Maggie, working on a case together. She turned into Maggie Gyllenhaal off screen. Yes. yes. Okay. They're working on a case together. Get get uh, crime boss. What's his name? Maroney. Maroney. That's it. Which is a name from the long Halloween. Right. Uh, Mar- tries to get Maroney locked up. He's got a fall guy up there testifying, saying that he's the mastermind behind the whole operation. Every dad knows that's bullshit. He's like, no, nah, that's bullshit, fam. Don't do it. Yeah. And then the motherfucker tries to assassinate Harvey Dent, and we get a little establishment that Dent's a little bit of a badass. He takes the he takes the gun. And just rips that bitch apart. Yeah, it's uh, super unrealistic. <laughs> every all, every aspect of it. How yeah. you, in in post nine eleven America, how the <laughs> fuck did that motherfucker get a gun? 
Yes. In, in through security. I don't think Gotham takes place on planet Earth necessarily. It does. This this version I understand takes place in like a okay, normal America. Okay. Look, it's more realistic than the Schumacher films and the Burton films. I get it, but it's still doesn't apply to most logical conventions like you can't bring a gun into a courtroom or the technology that Batman has is pretty fucking advanced, dude. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's advanced for now, let alone 2008. Um, it is very. That's all I'm saying. More so than than before in this movie, the tech is very James Bond. Uh, it gets even weirder in the next one when he mm-hmm. has that plane. But uh, so yeah, Harvey Dent just punches this dude in the face yeah, instead it's, of it's getting pretty, shot. It's I guess pretty funny. <laughs> And uh, he has, like, a bit of an argument with Gordon, I think. Yeah, Gordon goes, so, so we know Gordon's going to go see him. Uh, Rachel tells him, be nice to him. He's a friend. Yes. And then we get we get to see Gordon. Uh, Fantastic. Gary Oldman he ups his game here. Has it. a lot more to do as Gordon. And really, really gets into it. Yeah, Portrays I the best version. This is the best James Gordon portrayal. I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I think so. Too. In film so far. Yeah, well, he he really he really kind of embellishes that, like I mean, he's an older version of it, but he kind of really embellishes that Gordon energy from year one. Yes, where it's he's incredibly hands on. He can handle himself, and he's like, and he doesn't give a fuck about the other cops. Most of them are corrupt. Right. Still. As he finds out. I mean, he, he still has his trust. At the, the early points of this movie, he still has his, his trust in his cops. But that, that, that kind of slowly unravels in front of him. Yes. And you get to see him kind of change into that more badass Gordon as the movie goes on. It's I, pretty cool. I forget everything Gordon and Dent argue about here, but Dent basically says he wants to meet Batman. And Gordon's like, ah, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, this, the, the cop's official stance is to arrest the Batman on site. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. What's that big old light on top of the police station? And he's like, oh, it's just a malfunctioning, you know, thing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Gordon <laughs> clearly working with Batman to take out crime in Gotham. But... Nobody else. Yes. Everybody else. Yeah. And as you'd expect with like vigilante crime. In the. I mean, yeah. I, I the assume city. the rest of the cops wouldn't be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Gordon knows better. So as usual, so he does the thing. Right. <coughs> we get back to Bruce. This is where he. I'm trying to remember. Is this where he meets? He meets Harvey Dent. Uh, I think we get a scene of him. Uh. At our new not bat cave, yeah. Because as we know from the previous film, Wayne Manor burned to a fucking crisp. Right. So now Bruce kind of has this penthouse, but he doesn't spend any time there because he's Batman. Uh, He goes to this big fucking matrix room (laughs) where he just like hangs out and has a computer. He's hidden inside uh, a shipping container. Take an elevator down. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense to me. It looks like an impossibly big white room. Like it's the Matrix. Right. <laughs> where Keanu just says, give me some swords, and then all the swords in the world pop up. Yeah. It looks like that. I don't know how you fit this in a shipping container. It's the command prompt <laughs> in the Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, sure. Uh, Bruce is, uh, you know, out of bounds. <laughs> He's clipped out of bounds, <laughs> and he hit his bat cave there. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this is basically his... his uh, point of operations for this film 
And I think he just has, you know, a bit of a quip with Alfred, um, who's, you know, telling yeah, him not they, to push himself. Yeah, and then they talk Bat, a little bit. Uh, you know, you have limits. And he's like, Batman don't have limits. But he like, yeah, but like, you a human. Is <laughs> basically what they say. Yeah. Uh, and then I think, uh, yeah, Bruce has to go to a meeting. Right. We, uh, get reintroduced, reacquainted with Lucius Fox, played by, uh, March of the Penguins man himself, Morgan Freeman, and, uh, sleeps through a meeting. But the key thing we need to walk away from here knowing is that there is a Wayne, uh, executive named Lau, who he doesn't believe can be trusted talks to Lucius about it, and pretty soon we see that uh, that is entirely the case, that he cannot be trusted. Yep. Because he is the mob's big accountant man, as they have a little uh, huddled together meeting between the various factions of the mob. You got Maroney, who's heading up the entire thing, I believe. Yeah, it's like uh, his operation. But then you got My Dogs Are Hungry Man. And Black Dynamite and a couple other people. Hold on, it's mob time. So you got... Uh-huh. You got your boy... Maroni. Yeah. And spaghetti. And spaghetti. <laughs> and cannoli. <laughs> the gabagool. Sipping on... The Tony Soprano. <laughs> Everybody's here. And then the Joker shows up yeah, and is it, like, fuck you guys, lol. lol. <laughs> he shows up. He shows up making a scene. Uh, tells them that Batman's a thorn in your side. They're talking to Lau on a TV. He's right. already going to Hong Kong and has transported their money to an undisclosed location so that it will be safe because he is basically under surveillance, is the idea. Yeah, well, uh, we oh, cops that- are coming for their money. Yeah. That's what Dent and Harvey talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coming that, for what, the money. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. coming. They're going to strip all the mob's money. They they finally have a lock on where all their money's kept through using some some marked bills. Yes, 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 yes. So this this movie is complicated. Yeah. So they're moving um, all their money offshore, thanks to Lau, and he's talking them through through a TV, through a nice little CRT, <laughs> and two thousand eight. Jokey walks in. Uh huh. He does a little. <laughs> He's not Bugs Bunny, or is he? Uh, <laughs> the hell was that? What are you doing? <laughs> I have no idea what's happening right now. I was doing X Files. Oh, okay. Fuck. See, I could only think about Bugs Bunny because I said that, so it ruined... Whatever. Anyway. I just, it's a fucking conspiracy. The Joker's actually Bugs Bunny. Joker here. He, like, magic trick. Guy, like, what? He, like, pencil. <laughs> Guy, like, huh? And he, like, boom, head-on pencil. Iconic scene. Everybody knows it. It is 10, 10 out of 10. This got laughs in my theater when I first went. When I was like, you know, uh, two years old in 2008, uh, and uh, (laughs) it felt like it. Um, What an experience seeing this at midnight in a theater. Remember midnight showings when it was actually at midnight, by Mm -hmm. the way? Before, you know, uh, speaking of the dark night, somebody fucking shot up a theater and ruined it. Yeah. Uh, Like, 
you know, obviously it was a fucking tragedy, but like now there isn't any midnight screenings. They move them up to eight. Well, they're still they usually still go to midnight. Like like with big Star Wars and Marvel releases, you'll still get like see yeah. But like if you wanted to see the first showing, it's usually at like a seven o'clock, right? Yeah. I kind of have nostalgia and miss the midnight because it was really otherworldly that everybody showed up that late to see something and, and then, then weren't getting out until 3 a.m. and everybody was still wired. It was cool. It was different. Well, yeah, and then on top of that, what they used to do, now they just have showings starting at like 7 or 8 p.m. Yeah. And what they used to do, at least for us in our area, was they, like, for The Dark Knight, for example, this was because there were so many, like, pre-bought tickets, um, they had to... They opened up basically every theater... Yes. And they all started premiering at 12.01. Yes. So you got in. So when you got there, there was this huge fucking line. I I, I don't miss that part, but there was a lot of lines oh, and a line lot of crowds. Fun. I, I actually enjoyed standing in line because there, there were people dressed up, a lot of people hanging out. That can't happen Batman. anymore either because yeah. that's who fucking shot up the theaters. Right. People dressed up like Bane and shit. So now that's under scrutiny as well right and it's all for good reason it is of course good to be cautious about the evil that people can do right it's also good to reminisce about the good old times with the dude dressed up in like batman pajamas yeah, like the, the joker on. went to the screening that's cool <laughs> like right. a lot fun. of them yeah it was fun <laughs> i had a good time doing that just chatting up people you know yeah. about it it was a really, really good time. I enjoyed it quite a bit. There was a baby crying the entire time during my screening, and oh, I was dude. like, why baby at hey, midnight? Hey, baby. Go home, baby. Go home, baby. Catch a, hit your hit your cab and go home, baby. I'll get you Uber, baby. Oh, wait, no, it's 2008. No, Uber. no. God. I, I might have even had net zero internet, buddy. I don't know. In 2008? I, it's possible. It was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I was I was definitely on high speed internet by then. The guy that threw AT and T, they sucked. I might have had cable internet by then, but I'm not I'm not remembering. Anyway, this scene is really well done. It completely outlines everything you need to know about the Joker, while he still doesn't tell the truth at any point almost yeah because he's lying to them he goes there and says that his plan is you give me half of your money all of like uh, half <laughs> and i'll kill batman because he's your real problem you think the cops are your problem no it's batman wherever lao runs to batman will find him because batman is batman and he doesn't work in the realms of the law right so you need, you need to take the of. problem out at the source, and I'm the guy to do it. Then they're all like, fuck you, clown man. Not all of them. Uh, my dogs are hungry man is into it. He's like, I'd like to hear proposition. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, Gamble, which is a weird name, uh, is like, you know, shut up, clown, freak. And uh, Maroney doesn't want to hear any of it. Uh, and when they go to uh, hit him, he's like, let's not blow this out of proportion. And uh, he got a bunch of grenades. This keys us in on the fact that not only does Joker uh, have no respect for human life, he doesn't even have respect for his own life. Yeah, he doesn't care. And he'll do whatever the fuck. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't give a shit. Grungy as fuck villain. <laughs> Dope. Uh, super interesting. And he uh, gets out of there. 
Yep. And then he, then he fucks off. And the way he leaves is so funny too. He's like, he's just like slowly backs up, and then <laughs> yeah. as soon as he hits the door, you hear him take off running. It's so funny. <laughs> well, he doesn't have any time to waste because, as I'm sure we're gonna talk about, oh, yeah. the Joker has a galaxy brain tier plan that even under the smallest amount of scrutiny, doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. But the cool thing about The Dark Knight is that while you're watching it, you don't think about it usually. I mean, this is probably like, what, my like 10th or 12th time watching Same. the fucking Dark Knight, right? So yeah, like, we got to so a point where by we now like, it's like, yeah, that, wait, this doesn't make any sense at all, actually. But when you first watch it, you don't think about it at all. You're just like, that was a masterpiece. Right. But certainly, I think whatever combo Nolan and Goyer had in Batman Begins is sort of lost here, where it's just Nolan and Nolan. <laughs> Nolan and Nolan and Nolan and Nolan. Just getting convoluted with it. Yeah, where they're just like, you know, fuck it. The Joker's always one step ahead of everybody else, even if that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And we will get into that later as his plan starts to unfold. So... I believe our next thing is just basically we're getting to Hong Kong. Yeah, so now, exactly as the Joker said, Batman has no jurisdiction. He plans on heading to Hong Kong to get Lau. It all makes sense to him with the shady business dealings and all that, that Lau took the mob's money, and he's going to store it in Hong Kong. Yeah, so with some help from Lucius, he, like, you know, has Lucius go there, plan a phone, and this phone... uh, Has sonar technology that... Kind of maps out the place. I really like the subtle line where he talks to Bruce about this, and Bruce is about to say, like a bat, but then Fox interrupts him and says, like a submarine, yes. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Like, the way it's delivered too, like God, he, Bruce is so excited to say like a bat. Like he, he's so he's so what a far, nerd. He's so far into into the Batman persona that he's just he's just right. He's like like a bat, like a bat, like a child. Oh fuck, not a bat. So yeah, this scene is cool. I love the heist movie element of it, where like he, he hacks of- in and then knows where he is and the bombs and I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is where a lot of the Bond-esque shit comes in. Yeah, it's cool. A lot of a lot of tech being used, you know. He has this like skyhook kind of thing them. that lifts him and Lau out of there with nobody able to fucking do a damn thing. Yeah. Shit's dope. neat. He's cornered by the cops and then blows out the window. <sighs> yeah. It's carted off. It's crazy. Super cool. Yep, so then they get loud. He gets Fultoned out of there by Boss. Yeah, that's right? literally what it was. By the way, that's 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 a Fulton system from Metal Gear Solid Five. Dark Knight did it first. You're bringing him too? Okay, Boss. It's funny if I remember correctly. That's a real military concept. It is. I don't know how commonly it was utilized. Not the, at all. Probably not to the point where in Metal Gear Solid Five you just it was, use it on everything. It was uh, all incredibly the time. unsafe. I bet. If I remember correctly when I read about this thing. I don't really remember if anyone could die from you Fultoning people in No. No, 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 no. And he delivers them to the cops. And therefore, you know, Dawes is interrogating him and makes a deal with him. He'll give them the names of the clients. Yeah, he'll give the names of every single client. But not the money. Right. Because he's good at calculation. 
implying that he has all the money now. Yeah, that he just he just has he t- he never planned on giving their money. Love back. how everyone's a fucker in this movie. Yeah. It's actually really uh, fascinating to me because <laughs> like not only the Joker is a fucker in this movie it's mostly everyone mm-hmm. um which honestly almost proves his point correct this movie yeah, has a very does. dark tone uh but it isn't bleak dark it isn't batman v superman it's I, just the right amount yeah it's like solemn but not like depressing yes that's if, if that's if that's what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely where you're at we're like something like batman v superman it's just depressing the whole again time. they took the wrong inspiration they took yeah. the wrong direction with it but there's still like there's like nice jokey jokes in this movie and shit the and joker's fun. funny still yeah he still has i mean shit. leto joker isn't funny in the slightest just by comparison it's just lame yeah there's not a funny moment like ledger as dark as he is still has the pencil trick and all these little moments where he's genuinely funny he's equal parts funny frightening chaotic yeah it's it's all works it's like just like at the beginning in that in that scene where he where he takes off running after it's fucking <laughs> he walks out with the grenades I laughed. I thought it was yeah, it's, hilarious. It's really good. Yeah. I thought it was funny as fuck. Because just the way the sound design works in that scene where he just like takes off running and you can hear it. So it's I believe so uh, now what happens next is Harvey strikes a deal. Right. Harvey, yeah, Harvey strikes a deal to set up to prosecute all of these guys yes. at once. Yes. And you get, you get another funny scene, by the way. Where he gets all of them in court at the same time, based on like some kind of law loophole where you could try multiple people at the same time. He Rico. tries the entire yeah a Rico case yeah yeah he, he tries the entire mob. Mm-hmm. So they are all there. It's it's such a good shot. <laughs> it yeah. Just cuts dead ass to the <laughs> the defendants, and it's just yeah, it's everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah, the judge just like defendants. How do you plea? And then it does a hard cut. To all of them over there, and then it's just chaos. (laughs) They're all talking at the same time. You can't fucking understand what's going on. The implication of this is that, like, yeah, the higher-level guys will get out, but the lower-level guys won't be able to. Right. And so this is a big win. It's a big win. It seems that the uh, alliance between Gordon, Batman, and Harvey Dent is a good one, one that will uh, fix Gotham. Yep, and, and Batman notices that, too, and he talks about it. Yeah, and he's like he's starting to be convinced that Harvey Dent is the future of Gotham, and also by kind of like vetting his personality by going out. Uh, this might have happened earlier, but going out on the date, the double date. He's with the ballet leader, and uh, Rachel's with Harvey. Of, yeah. uh, you know, that's where he says his iconic, you know, line: uh, "You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain." Yep, which uh, has been said about a billion times since this movie came out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think. Uh, there's there's about to be like a party for Dent because uh, Bruce is uh, fundraising yeah, his Bruce, campaign earlier. Yeah, Bruce said he wants to run a fundraiser to you know to fund Harvey Dent's future, and Dent's yeah. like I don't I won't not up for re-election for like another three years, and Bruce's like. You don't understand. Yeah. I'm Mike Bloomberg. I can right. just uh, just buy the election, sir. Like you'll have money forever <laughs> after this fundraiser. It's like damn. I love how the, the rich, <laughs> the way he dabs on him, dude, where he's just like, we can put the tables together. I own this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. It's played for laughs every time, but it works because it works with that, like, Bruce Wayne is the mask mentality. Yeah. Where, like, you could tell he's kind of having fun portraying a character yeah. and portraying him as an asshole. It's so not him. 
but you can tell he kind of likes the little intricacies that he has designed into being an asshole. Right. It's really fun. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Now we're at another stage of the Joker's plan. Yes. So as... It never ends. So as this party's getting set up for Harvey and his fundraiser, we start to see the execution of Joker's plan. We have... uh, the one vigilante, the one uh, vigilante from earlier in the movie, that Batman ties up with the wearing the hockey pads. Yes, is uh, well, there was a couple, so I don't know which one it is, but yeah, one of the Batman vigilantes hits the window as Harvey is talking to the mayor, I believe. Yes, so that's outside of the mayor's office, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe it says, "Will the real Batman please stand up?" Yes, which is a uh, Eminem reference. In your Batman film. That's fun. Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) I just realized it. Yeah. And how weird that is. Such a weird pop culture reference. But anyway. um, And then Joker goes on TV, I believe. Yes. Or no, there was a videotape attached to him of him torturing this now dead man. And it's... uh, Him explaining that he's going to... Every day that... Batman doesn't reveal himself. He's just going and to turn himself into the police. Uh, people, people will die. Right. And the first three are set to be uh, a judge, the current police commissioner. There's a judge residing over the mob case. Yeah. The current police commissioner. Who is Commissioner Loeb, who was in Batman Begins. And Harvey Dent. And Harvey Dent. So I genuinely believe that it's Joker's plan not to kill Harvey at this stage, and he's just lying, and he wants to kill the other two. We can maybe get into that later. The other two killings go off without a hitch, despite them trying to do anything, because regardless of Batman turning himself in or not, whether that happened or not, the Joker had already planned out these deaths. They were going to die. They, yeah, like he poisoned that guy's liquor forever ago. Probably in preparation for this. Yeah. And he set that car bomb probably forever ago. Like he like all these things were planned. The one that he takes a hands on approach to is he goes to the Wayne party for Harvey Dent to kill Harvey Dent. But word gets to Bruce first and Bruce hides Harvey Dent somewhere. Hides him in a closet. Yeah. Which uh, this is a little bit what I what I imagine is a flaw in this scene. We're like, of course Joker knows Harvey Dent's there, right? Uh-huh. So the way this scene ends, we'll, we'll describe the scene first because it's, it's, it's kind of a fun one. Yeah. And the Joker walks in with his goonies. And, uh... <laughs> I know you just want to say goon's cute, but now I just am picturing the goonies are walking in with him. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you would, honestly. Chunk and Sloth are here. <laughs> Walks in and starts to antagonize people looking for Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Batman, well, Bruce at this point, goes, oh, fuck, it's Batman time. And uh, goes to run away into a trap door that is just like in the in the manor. This is a funny scene because there's people fucking on a couch and they're like, uh, what's all that noise over there? And then he goes into this room. It's like, oh, you have a panic room. And then it just closes on them. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> It's good because to them that's probably never explained, and Bruce doesn't explain himself to them. No, uh, he doesn't fucking care. Yeah, he's, you know. he's, that's keeping up with this like dickhead rich person. Bruce. Yes, that's fine. I mean, he is he. The time is of the essence to him because yeah. the Joker is in the middle of uh, threatening Rachel. This is the second 
Uh, we skipped over the first, where Joker uh, goes and kills Gamble. The second of two, of like I think three scenes where the Joker describes an origin yeah. for his scars. Uh, assumedly, all three of which would have been different. But he never got to tell Batman one. Uh, the first one was about his father. This one is about his wife that he tells to Maggie Gyllenhaal here, mm-hmm. who he describes as beautiful. Um, and, like, I don't know, maybe he was thinking of Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> That's a mean joke. Very mean. <laughs> Hey, they were in that movie where they were the gay. That's probably, you know, he likes Jake Gyllenhaal. That's cool. Sure. <laughs> so Batman shows up as Joker's antagonizing Rachel. And then Joker decides to be a fuckhead and uh, drops Rachel out of the building. A very poor choice of words after he says, let her go. Let her go. God, there's so many iconic Joker things. We, like, skipped over where he, like, grabs a drink and then throws the alcohol out and then drinks the nothing in the glass. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's so good. So, yeah, like, I don't know what happens after this scene. You see, this this is the one thing where I'm like, all right, so... Batman leaves this party that the Joker is threatening everyone at. Yeah, so what the fuck happens? And rescues Rachel. Right. And then you don't Where's the Joker go? He's in a he's in this party of people, and we never see what happens in there. Yeah, so by the way, Harvey Dent, still in that closet. Yes. Joker, still in that building. Uh Uh-huh. Just not gonna search for Harvey Dent? I don't know. Like, what the fuck? I don't know what happens in between those scenes, because it just ends with Batman rescuing Rachel, basically. Yeah, it ends. I'm like, uh... So it's like, I guess, like, by the time Batman got back up there with his grappling hook, the Joker was gone. But, like, why? Well, because well, he wasn't actually intending to kill Harvey Dent. No! He was not! He was just trying to have some Because even though he claims to not have a plan, he has a galaxy-wide plan. <laughs> Right. So he was never actually going to kill Harvey Dent. He just wanted to antagonize people and have fun. Yeah, the, a galaxy brain, I meant to say. Like, it's it's it has so many intricacies to it that it doesn't make any sense. And you could maybe interpret it as the Joker doesn't have a plan and nothing makes sense. And he just does things and it's chaos, like he says. But I think he is lying. Well, he's lying when he says that. He has to be. <laughs> because he does have a plan. Yeah. It's and he executes it. It's incredible. And he succeeds at his plan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, that's not just a coincidence. <sighs> Where do we go from here? Because we don't go back to the party. And that's really bothering me. Now that I think about it. So, what happens now is the uh, we get to reveal what the next plan killing is. And it's for the mayor. Right. Batman goes to investigate some killing. With Gordon? Yes. And there are dead people surrounded on a table. Yeah. There's it's a more, newspaper. It's more the bad vigilante, guys. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So there is a gunshot hole, a bullet hole, in the wall. This is some dumb shit. So, first of all, it's, it, it's kind, of, kind of funny, the way the scene starts. It's like, I don't want you... The cops are there, and he's like, I don't want you guys tainting the scene. Uh-huh. And they're like, we're the cops. <laughs> It's so funny. So he removes this entire brick from the wall with a bullet, I suppose, lodged in it, but exploded all over the place right. in the brick. Then he is able to somehow, with 
imaginary Batman technology, mm-hmm. uh, remap the bullet and find the fingerprint on it and where the fingerprint leads. The following day, he goes to the location of where the fingerprint leads. Now, the Joker named his next target as the mayor, so there's this big, uh, you know... That's a parade? Parade slash funeral slash tribute for the dead commissioner. That's what it is, yeah. So, mayor's giving a speech. Cops are all over the place because the Joker's named the mayor's next target. And uh, Bruce... As Bruce goes to investigate this address that he finds for the person whose fingerprint was on the bullet that was shattered because it was shot into a brick. Yes. This is a complicated sequence of events. However, it turns out the Joker knew... That Batman would find that fingerprint and find this location. There are several people who are supposed to be keeping an eye out tied up there. And their uniforms are missing. The Joker took their uniforms. They are the firing squad for the salute Yeah, at the bottom in the parade. Now, when, when Bruce goes over to the window, he triggers a mechanism... That pulls the blinds that up. That pulls the blinds up, and then people think he's a sniper they about to shoot the mayor, so they shoot at him. So this is the, like, distraction the Joker wanted to happen so that they can shoot the mayor yep, as they're to- disguised as the firing squad down below. Yeah, they go to shoot the mayor. Gordon jumps in the way of the bullet. Oh, yeah. Back. Yeah, to add insult to injury, that twist is here as well. This doesn't make any sense on multiple levels. First of all, he's, he's wearing he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, he's shot in the back. Yeah, and then they're just like, oh, he's dead. Yeah. Prior to this scene and scenes that don't exist, we can assume that Batman and Gordon had a talk that Gordon would fake his own death because it's it's not revealed to like we 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 as an audience are led to assume that Gordon is dead from this point onward until it is revealed to us that Gordon is not dead. I didn't even think but, Batman knew. I think Batman knew. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think so. Because Gordon's still actively doing stuff for the cops as well. Because right. he, he's the he's the SWAT team driver pretty soon here. But, like, why? <laughs> I it, it, Gordon did it to protect his family is all the explanation we get for why he fakes his death here. Because he believes that there will always be at risk. Unless he's just like like as a as a target for the Joker's stuff. Yeah. So like, if he's not dead, then the Joker won't target his family. Right. Uh, he's dead. Joker won't bother with his family. It. It ends up not mattering at all. Nearly reveals himself once he's caught the Joker. Yeah, but then they don't have him caught for long, and then the Joker immediately resumes doing crazy stuff and killing people, so, like, what was the point? Also, no point the Joker was actually threatening Gordon's family. Uh, I mean, he could have. He's targeting prominent figures, but be that as it may, I don't think he would have targeted the family. No, probably. Necessarily. He's targeting prominent figures, not their families. Right. Um, It's just... I'm just confused. (laughs) Like, let alone that. And then the Joker plan. 
just has to rely on Batman having that fingerprint, which is insane. Right. Like, so the cops have to not get to it first. Batman has to know how to get the fingerprint off of that and go there. Yeah. And trigger the mechanism. Yeah. All that shit has to happen for this to work. Yeah. Now, like, look, I hate. I hate uh, stuff like Cinema Sins, where they just go through a movie and list uh, every single stupid thing that they perceive as a a wrong thing, and perceive it as a slight. Like like the movie is worse now that that's here, I guess. But it really piles on when you watch this movie a lot. How you start noticing things. The Joker's plan relies on a lot of things to happen. <laughs> specific things that wouldn't necessarily all happen that way just on their own just assuming that this would happen is is asking a lot <sighs> so grieved by all of this killing Bruce has made the decision that he wants to turn himself in before this Harvey Dent kidnaps a guy yeah. <laughs> I mean, he does. Yeah, <laughs> One of the guys that was uh, trying to shoot the mayor. Because uh, Harvey's pissed that, like, because he thinks Gordon's dead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he kidnaps this guy and he starts going Two-Face on his ass at the railroad tracks, flipping the coin, going like, hey, heads you live, tails you die. Yeah. And then, of course, it's the meme that both sides of the coin are heads. Yes. At least for now. Because he makes his own luck. Uh, but Batman shows up and convinces Harvey not to do it, even though he wasn't going to do it anyway in the first place. Right, Batman didn't know. But Batman doesn't know that. And then uh, they have a bit of a discussion where Harvey yells, You can't give it! To Batman about, uh, like, he's going to turn himself in so that there's no no more killings. Yeah. Which is something that Alfred disagrees with. Alfred tells him about... Uh, when I was in Barma, mashed away, <laughs> that whole fucking scene. Yeah. Some men just want to watch the world burn is the big takeaway from it. It's a good speech. It's a good story. Uh, Alfred is still one of the best characters in this entire trilogy. God tier. God tier character. <laughs> I don't necessarily like him as much in the third movie, but we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah, well, and I think everybody suffers in the third movie. So. Yeah, yeah, possibly. It's a bit of a script writing issue. Yes, <laughs> for sure. That's nowhere near as much of an issue in this movie. Uh huh. Still, in like in the, the, the script quality, kind of like steadily goes downward through this trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've noticed. But it's uh, at least for now, mm. it's still great. And so is Alfred, and he is just just the best. Everything he does, he serves as a great like like parental figure to Bruce Wayne. And he's got it. He's got nice little jokes and memes. <laughs> Overall, great guy, good character. Oh, I really like their little conversation when uh, he announces that he's going to retire to Alfred, and uh, he <laughs> Bruce Wayne jokes that he's going to tell the the police that it was his idea. Yeah, <laughs> Alfred, whole Alfred's idea, and Alfred like looks at him real quick. At least you can tell that he is, because I believe they're ascending from yeah, that uh, shipping container thing. Mm -hmm. So before Bruce Wayne is able to tell the world that he's Batman, uh, Harvey Dent just says that. He says, I'm Batman. <laughs> he gets carried away. Take me into custody. 
and they take him away. He talks to Rachel before uh, he can do it. Um, and they uh, kind of like, I guess, say goodbye to each other. Well, they talk to each other during that scene. But anyway, Dent now needs to be transferred. Yes, to the prison, right? In a SWAT car. Um, he's putting the target on his head, as opposed to Batman's, because he knows the Joker is going to come after who he perceives to be Batman, yes. I guess. I don't think the Joker buys that he's Batman at any point. No, not at all. He knows. But he did already say he was going to kill Dent, so maybe it's part of that. Yeah. Either way, I don't know. There's lots of answers. There's lots of questions. No answers, really, on this subject. It's how um, it goes yeah. with this movie sometimes. But this sequence is awesome. Yes. So we get a big, big-ass crazy car chase shit going on. You have all these multiple SWAT cars yes, taking Harvey Dent to prison, and they're heavily guarded, and then Joker's gang shows up in trucks. Yeah, and they're shooting up the cops. Oh, we forgot to say no more dead cops. LMAO. Okay, you know, this is important. During, <laughs> during this the press, is important. During the press conference, okay, we talk about how there's some really hammy acting in this movie, right? During the press conference, Harvey Dent's at first... Tries to say that, no, we don't need to turn Batman in. Uh-huh. And then everybody starts freaking out. I'm like, yes, we do. And these people are dying. And there's there's just like a squad of cops in the back. And then one of them just screams, no more dead cops. And then like everybody goes like, yeah, yeah, no more dead cops. <laughs> and what we get from the rest of this movie is more dead cops. There's a lot more dead cops in this movie. There's some right now in this scene where uh, Joker shoots at them with rocket launchers and such. It's really, yeah, he starts, uh, so he pulls up with, with, then like slides open an entrance to this box truck and then starts, well, this semi actually, and then starts yeah. shooting at the SWAT car that Dent's in, which is the gun. It says doesn't... slaughter on it, by the way, because he put an S in front of laughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And then he's just shooting up the he's shooting up the SWAT car that's not doing anything. You get a get a cut inside the SWAT van. Dent's like, those aren't gonna come through, are they? He's like, nah, it's a SWAT car. You need something much bigger than that. And Immediately cut that. to Joker with a rocket launcher. So he just hands him an RPG. <laughs> but Batman's coming, and he's mm-hmm. in his big old Tumblr man mobile. Mm-hmm. And he takes the entire blast of the rocket launcher to the Batmobile. But this irreparably damages it. Yep, it's gone. And he has to eject. However, inside the Batmobile is an even cooler vehicle. (laughs) Just inside of it. And Batman ejects and is on the Batpod now. And uh, takes off on the bike. After the Joker and Dent and all of them. Yep. Cool sequence of events where he kind of like grapples a bunch of cables to telephone poles yeah. light light poles and stuff and joker's like he missed and then the truck flips all the way over yeah it's awesome <laughs> and then of course the iconic joker's just standing there as batman's ra- batman is towards racing him. towards him on the bike and going like hit me <laughs> i want you to do it i want you to do it hit me batman can't do it Nope, he swerves away at the last second and takes a big nasty crash because of it. Yeah. Now he's laying on the ground practically unconscious because he just got fucked up. 
And he's, uh, someone tries to pull his mask off, I believe. One of Joker's yeah. thugs. And it shocks him. Yeah. Joker makes fun of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then is going to go beat Batman up or kill him or Probably something. Probably not. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to kill him. He says this. Right. I believe him in that instance. But then the dude who was driving the SWAT car with Dent in it holds a gun to him and arrests him. Da da da! It's James Gordon. He was dead for like ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> he was dead for realistically two sequences in this movie. Oh, uh, like, <sighs> but why though? <laughs> There's even a scene where like they, the cops go to his wife and kid and tell him he's dead. They were grieving. Yeah. And then Gordon comes back and his wife slaps him. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Joker is apprehended. Of course, the, the day is, quote, saved. And they take all the knives off of him. By the way, there's a potato peeler in there. Yeah. That is great. <laughs> what a degenerate man. <laughs> yep. So they lock the Joker up. Uh, Gordon gets his promotion to commissioner finally. We finally have Commissioner Gordon. Uh huh. Taking a whole movie in three quarters to get there. Yeah, the mayor. The mayor is all like, hey, I really liked your plan of pretending to be dead. Hey. Commissioner. Commissioner time. It's time to interrogate the Joker. Yep. Because Harvey Dent never made it home. He was put in a squad car. Yep. And, and taken away. But that was a corrupt cop. So now the Joker knows where he is. And Rachel. But the cops don't. Even though they have Joker in custody. And uh, Gordon questions him about this. And the Joker's like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm right here. What are you talking Who did you leave him with? Gordon's not having this shit, so he just has Batman come in. <laughs> yeah, well, Batman apparently has just been there the whole ass time. Lurking yes. in the shadows. Just yes. creepy as fuck. Ah, oh, it's great. <laughs> Immediately, like as soon as as soon as Gordon closes the door, uh huh, and then like Joker's making fun of him doing a good cop bad cop thing, and then Batman just appears and slams his head against the table. It's fucking great. <laughs> Scene's excellent. It's one of the best in the entire movie. Yeah. So now you get the banter. Just there's just it's just those two. It's more Joker than Batman, but it is there. I like how they play off of each other. Mm -hmm. It's mostly you know Batman going. And then the Joker going like LML. <laughs> but yeah, so our, our general information revealed here is uh, b besides lots of stuff about the Joker's ideals and how he believes Batman completes his life. Yeah. He's like, uh, you complete me. Yes, because uh, it's the villain he wanted, or hero, I guess, because yeah. he's the villain. The the comp the the uh the opposing force he wanted. Mm -hmm. He just wants uh, to do this with Batman. The forever. thing that makes it good sport to him. Dent is uh at one location being held with a bomb about to go off. Rachel is being held in another location with a bomb wanting to go off. Now this implies possibly that the Joker planned for his assassination attempt on Harvey Dent to not happen because this uh, choice between Dent and Rachel that will obviously piss off Dent if they choose Dent 
and let Rachel die and that's what seems to be manufactured from the beginning, from yes. the outset. So you're telling me <laughs> that the Joker's plan was to have all that stuff with the semi-truck happen and get arrested, planning to get caught, and planning to escape after just because? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole fucking setup just like apparently well because apparently his entire notion here is to just kind of drag harvey dent down into chaos it's like his whole plan that's his entire plan yes but like it's a complicated way to get there oh yeah very much so that has very a lot of moving so, pieces too much yeah way too much going on batman as we know Bruce Wayne's in love with Rachel mm-hmm. and uh, is kind of waiting for the day that he can stop being Batman so that he can be with her. He even suggests as much to her. Uh, and they kiss. But in reality, I think she has chosen Harvey Dent over Bruce Wayne. She has. She left a letter, actually. She left a letter to Alfred to give to Bruce. And uh, she says as much to Harvey. We cut to them and they're in a... You know, their own, like, they're each in, like, a warehouse or something filled with gallons of gasoline, drums of it, uh, bomb rigged to explode soon. Batman goes to get Rachel. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's, that's the person he, do. yeah, that's not suspicious to anybody or anything. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And the cops go to get dead. Like, now, as far as we know, Batman doesn't know her very well. As far as the cops would know. Yeah, then he's just straight up like, I'll get Rachel. Rachel! Yeah. Now, Batman gets to Rachel first, except it's not. It's Dent. The Joker told them the locations in opposite order. Mm -hmm. uh, On purpose. I think he did it on purpose, which is another crazy, insane moving part. How could he possibly know that this would work out this way? Like, he knows that Batman will get to the location before the cops. So he knows that Batman will rescue Harvey Dent if he tells him. But he knows somehow that Batman loves Rachel. Yep. Maybe because he rescued her before. Maybe. But, like, Batman would have rescued anybody, possibly. Or maybe he just thought that maybe Batman would think that that girl's like more important than Harvey Dent's. Like Harvey, like she, he probably perceives her as more innocent in this situation. Maybe. I guess the key is that he wants them to save Harvey Dent, and not Rachel. But he needs Batman to save Harvey Dent because the location that they get to first is the one that will be Batman. Yeah, saved. So, he needs to tell Batman to go get Rachel, but it's actually Harvey Dent. He needs to do that, which implies that he knows that that's really important to Batman. Which, I guess he would know from him beating the shit out of him in the the prison cell. But he could have just known it beforehand, too, because it seems that the Joker has an infinite knowledge of everything ever. Yeah. (laughs) So, obviously... Dent is saved, but not before half of his face burns off because he was dumb enough to fall down and get gasoline all over his face. So when the explosion happens, his face ignites, I guess. Yeah. And then Rachel dies. We get all these dramatic 
shots of Batman standing on the wreckage. Looks like Ground Zero tier shit. While we hear the contents of Rachel's letter. As Alfred is reading it, I believe. Yes. <sighs> she is, she's confessing that she is in love with Harvey Dent. Yeah. And she's going to marry Harvey Dent. Uh-huh. LMAO. She did. Cucked from beyond the grave, Bruce. Take that. <laughs> now, Bruce never sees that letter. No, he never knows, which is interesting. But I believe uh, this information gets let out in part three anyway by Alfred, if I remember correctly. Pretty sure, yeah. Um, so, Bruce is obviously very fucking distraught and doesn't know how to continue Alfred is kind of just like, I don't know, we got to pick ourselves up. You know, it's going to get really, really bad before it gets better. And he's like, I mean, like, okay, I guess, Alfred, geez. My my fucking girlfriend basically just died. Right. Like my only friend in the world. Being a little cold here, Alfred. <laughs> and Alfred's just like, stop being a pussy, Master Wayne. Go beat up the Joker. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Not really, but like. It it did seem like he was giving him tough love more than uh yeah probably not what he needed right away but uh, hey whatever uh time for more Joker plans the Joker escaped the prison by the way yeah so by this another convoluted plan uh, oh planted my god a cell phone bomb <laughs> inside of a man and the dude's sitting there like through this entire ah scene my insides the hurt and they're like shut up idiot. The boss said he'd make my lights bright like Christmas inside. And they're like, what? And joking the entire time, she's like, I want my phone call. Yeah. So he could do that and blow up the station. Right. Well, he, he has to threaten the guy who's watching him so he can get his phone call. He has to apprehend that guy to get outside to get his phone call. They're probably not going to give him a phone call. He's a super mass murderer. <laughs> right. Um, but he gets his phone call and then blows up a bomb. Now, this bomb knocks over everyone in the police station except the Joker. Somehow. I don't know how that happens. No idea. And then everybody in the cells blow up. And then the Joker just gets away. And in the shot, which is a great shot, by the way, where he's driving a police car. Yeah. With his head out the window. Or someone else is driving it, perhaps. Getaway driver or whatever. But there's cops chasing after them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut away from this and we don't know what happens. He gets away. That doesn't surprise yep. me one bit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that concerned about that part. In a scene that happened off screen, he got away. The Joker got away. So what's next? I believe the, the dude, the dude uh, who we didn't really talk about yet, who went up to Lucius Fox. Yes, Coleman Reese. Yes. Um, who was told earlier to move by Lucius Fox to like check over accounts. Yeah. Double check numbers and stuff like that. Comes back basically figuring out who Batman is because he realizes that there's a lot of sunken costs in the R&D department for no reason. And he, he knows that the tumblers that they were developing is what Batman has. Right. And he's driving around. And then Lucius is like, so you're going to blackmail the crime-fighting Batman? <laughs> Good luck with that one, buddy. And... uh just kind of lets it go at that point. Yeah. But now this guy comes back, uh, possibly as a 
response to all the violence that's been happening because the Joker wants the Batman's identity. Yeah. And says he's going to reveal who Batman is on uh, the news. On like a late night talk show or something. <laughs> it's it's the news. Yeah. Because the news anchor is uh, the oh, Bre- right. Breakfast Club kid. That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> but then the Joker calls in and says, you know what? I've had a change of heart. I don't want to know who Batman is. Whoever kills Reese... No, somebody needs to kill Reese or I blow up a hospital. Yeah. So uh, the cops scramble to all the hospitals. And Bruce Wayne sets out in his Lamborghini. (laughs) Not a Batmobile, but close enough. (laughs) And uh, I think his goal is to... I think research corrupt cops in Gordon's yeah uh, force because they may be people who they go to pick up Reese, the cops, Gordon and his squad, whereas everybody, all the other cops throughout the city are evacuating hospitals so that yeah. nobody gets murdered by the Joker's bombs, whichever hospital he planted bombs in already. Um, I, one of the cops wants to shoot Reese. Because, like, so the hospital doesn't blow up, I guess? Yeah. Which doesn't really mean he's a corrupt cop. I don't know what that means. It wasn't a cop. It wasn't a cop? It was just a dude. Just a dude? Yeah. The cops (laughs) apprehended The dude, like, got into the building, and they they saw him, and he walked up and tried to shoot him, and the cops tackled him. Yeah, that was before. I'm saying the dude that's in the car with them. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. I misheard you. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. So I guess he is technically a rat, but he's, like, he's like really nervous. Yeah. And it, it doesn't get resolved. No, because before he can shoot Reese, Bruce crashes his Lamborghini into the cops. That's what it is, yeah. He just rams him. And then Gordon's like, thanks. And he's like, oops, I ran the red light. And Gordon's like, what? <laughs> oh, you're just stupid, Mr. Wayne. I'm sorry. Go about your day, idiot. And then leaves. Because, <laughs> you know, Bruce is doing that yep. pretending thing. Right. <sighs> Meanwhile, the Joker goes to Gotham General and visits Harvey Dent. Uh, Gordon visited him earlier. Harvey uh, has half of his face burned off and is now completely looking like a t- t- the Two-Face. Yep. He uh, is very bitter and vengeful about his current circumstances. Not yet. No, nah. Joker visits him. He's disguised as a nurse. Um, I can't. I can't believe. Uh huh. How he just got through. I guess like amidst the chaos, he just snuck in. I guess. <laughs> Some guys come in to get Dent, and he just shoots them. This scene makes no sense to me from the outset. The, the rest of it's pretty good. Yeah. But Joker in a nurse outfit. With a face mask on. Yeah. You could still tell it's the Joker, right? Correct. You could see the face makeup. You could see the eyes. It's the Joker. Right. So he goes up to Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent doesn't have a reaction. Nope. Then he takes the mask off. Harvey Dent starts freaking out, wanting to beat the shit out of this guy or kill him. Yeah, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Makes none whatsoever. Like, it's so funny that he didn't recognize the Joker until he could see his mouth. 
<laughs> Did he think it was a normal nurse? <laughs> Dude, I guess. Anyway, this is where the Joker makes his pitch to Harvey Dent that, like, despite the fact that he murdered Harvey's girlfriend and burned off half his face, uh, he's not really the bad guy here. It's the mob who let him do it. Uh, he's just an agent of chaos and just does stuff to whoever all the time. He meant nothing personal about it. And, you know, you'd think that Harvey Dent would be like, I don't care, and just shoot the Joker. But the Joker's goal is to corrupt Harvey Dent. Well, Harvey flips a coin. And it works. So Harvey now decides to be Two-Face and decides to flip a coin. Heads, you live the now scarred side of the coin you die and the joker's into this he's like that's that's the shit dude do that and uh it's it's the not scarred side so joker live yeah by the way really subtle but i like how after he was talking to burn victim harvey dent he exits the room and then uses some hand sanitizer (laughs) and then uh it's uh, harvey escapes yeah Harvey escapes, Joker gets out of Gotham General 2 and uh, blows it up. Yeah. And uh, another iconic scene where he sets the detonator off, half the hospital blows up, and he starts fucking the detonator like it's not going off right. It was all supposed to blow up at once on set that day, but it didn't. And and that reaction from Heath Ledger is like sort of a real reaction, out of character. He handles it well, and it appears in character. Yeah. But, like, he was really wondering where the rest of the explosion was. And then it happened, and then he, like, skedaddles. <laughs> it's really good. He handled it so well. Possibly one of my favorite um, something went wrong on set and the actor ad-libbed moments of all time. Yeah. Like, it's right up there with, like, hey, I'm walking here, which yeah. was, like, a real thing that happened. Right. <laughs> so... Yeah, the Joker uh, kidnaps a bus full of hospital people. Yep, takes them with them. Because, <laughs> of course, even though the police are there evacuating people, nobody notices the Joker, you know, blow up this hospital. He's not being subtle about it or anything. He's coming out of the hospital like, yay, I blew it up. And then he stands there for a little bit when that se- se- that sequence happens. <laughs> But anyway, whatever, he kidnaps all these people. So we're getting close to the end game of our film here. Harvey's going on a murder spree. Uh, or not murder spree, depending on the flip of the coin. But most of these people get murdered. Uh, visiting corrupt cops. Visiting mob leaders. Just killing them all. And killing them all. So, Joker <laughs> got... So, earlier... Yes. Joker got the money. Joker got the money. Does this happen before the hospital stuff? Uh, I don't remember. It's either before or right after. I so many stuff happens in this movie. Yeah, there's so much going so on. So why do they give Joker the money? He kicks it from, uh, what's his name? My dogs are hungry, man? No, other guy. The, Lau. Lau, that's it. Oh, so he just has all the mob's money. Right. He just gets all the money from Lau. Okay. And then, uh... And he just burns it. Chechen is there, and he's like, you're burning all the money. And he's like, I'm only burning my half. But in order to get the half, he was supposed to kill Batman, and he didn't do that. Yep. But anyway, I mean, it's not like you're going to tell the Joker no. It looks like he burns all the money, though. Yep. 
He does. I think he's lying when he yeah. says, I'm only burning my half. But then, like, I think he burns all of it anyway, because, like, fuck it. Like, it's not like he's given the rest to uh, my dogs are hungry. Because that guy gets killed by Joker, yep. I assu- one assumes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and fed to his dogs. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> I guess the dogs were hungry. <laughs> Yeah, then Harvey goes on a little little spree. I think this leads Maroney yes. to uh, turn against the Joker. Yes. And tell them where he will be. But I, they don't get to him. So, like, what use was that? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Maroney's just trying to, you know... Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out. But then, hey, it's Dent in his car. <laughs> and he flips. Maroney is safe. But then he flips again and says he's not. He's like, who? And he says, your driver puts on seatbelt. <laughs> this is a great moment. I love it, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I guess seatbelt equals Harvey doesn't die. No seatbelt equals Maroney dies and driver dead from getting shot in the head. Correct. Drive safe, motherfuckers. I suppose, but even if he wore the seatbelt, that car tips the fuck over. There's a lot of stuff that could have happened there. Harvey Dent could have died as well. And also, Maroney could have just got hurt a lot and not dead. But fuck it. Who cares? Yep. (laughs) So now, Joker invades public broadcast. And claims that Gotham will be his tonight. Yeah. And just telling people to run. Yeah. So what we get is Gordon sets up a plan to get... There's two fairies. Gordon uh-huh. sets up a plan to, to get, like, a bunch of people and prisoners that jo- that he suspects Joker wants to release off of the main island of Gotham. So the one is all the prisoners that Harvey arrested, right? Right. It's all the mob guys. Uh Uh-huh. And the other one is just like a boat full of regular people. Yeah. So, of course, because, you know, Joker's infinite brain plan. Yes. Both those boats are rigged with explosives, and he wants to conduct a little social experiment. (laughs) Time for a social experiment. Please like and subscribe. My my hit channel Joker vids. <laughs> um, oh, dude! I didn't know this was the prank invasion movie. <laughs> Fairy prank gone sexual. <laughs> Eighteen plus. Um, like yeah. So obviously, this is a classic, you know, conundrum, you know. Yeah. It's like a trolley problem. Like, do you uh, let it hit the one person or hit the switch and it hits five? But then the five are like murderers and then the one's a good person. Like, what do you choose? So will the boat full of good people choose to do a bad thing and kill the boat full of bad people? And will the boat full of bad people choose to do a good thing and not kill the boat full of good people? Right. I guess is the conundrum here. Yep. And of course... Everybody argues their points the whole time, and then nobody does anything is the key takeaway from this. Right. You have uh, Tiny Lister (laughs) uh, on the bad boat going, give me the detonator, because Joker gives him the detonators for the other boat. Right. Um, And I'll uh, I'll do what you need to do. Making it sound like he's going to blow up the other boat. 
But then he just throws the detonator out the window. And I really need to make note of something that's really funny to me that nobody talks about. When he throws the detonator out the window, it clinks on the glass <laughs> and then falls in the ocean. Yeah. Which is hilarious to me because, like, what if he, in Actually this grand it gesture, <laughs> it accidentally set it off? <laughs> Dude, I wish that would happen. You know how funny that would have been? Well, I don't know if it would work in this movie, <laughs> but it would have been a funny blooper. Uh, but, like, yeah. Obviously, nobody does anything. But meanwhile, Batman needs to go stop Joker. Yes. Before he just blows up both boats. He's having trouble figuring out where Joker is. So he does, goes full madman energy and develops. <laughs> goes full CIA open here. Yeah. And develops this- a sonar system that's connected to everybody's cell phones in Gotham. Time for some bat NSA work here. So he's able to see where every, he's able to see every inch of Gotham City. Yeah. So this is, uh, Lucius is not okay with this. No, he's, he's Lucius is it. like this is amoral and I will not be a part of it. And Batman's like, look, I need to find the Joker. Let's go. Yeah. When you're done, type in your name. What he says. Here's the thing. He doesn't need to find the Joker though. Because it's incredibly obvious where he is. Yeah, it's so funny. He's at the place where all the cops are as well. Where there are hostages. Yeah. <laughs> like, the- they make this big, like, moral dilemma decision of whether this is okay to do. But Joker's on the top floor of the, the, the building where all the hostages that he, like, stole just, like, an hour ago are. Who would have guessed... Not me. <laughs> not Batman, the world's greatest detective. I guess not, buddy. Oh, uh, man. That moral conundrum. <laughs> so. In a cool yeah. Joker twist, as you should expect by now, the hostages are actually Joker's thugs, and the clowns holding guns are actually the hostages tied up. Yeah, but the guns are taped to their hands. It looks like one way from the outside, but it's actually another way inside. Yeah, but the SWAT team's like, fuck that, we're going into getting them. Batman realizes this with the sonar tech, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And uh, is able to take out the SWAT team trying to shoot what are innocent people without knowing it. And then what you have here is really... Batman takes movies. out a bunch of cops. Right, the first instance where Batman's actually beating up cops. Yeah. Which, if they played with it more, would have played into how this movie ends a little better, Yeah, I think. Like, Batman, like, went nuts that night. He killed several people and beat, up, beat the shit out of a bunch of cops. But, like, it's incredibly obvious what Batman was trying to do once those SWAT team guys realize that the roles are switched here right. and the hostages are the bad guys. So maybe they were ready to forgive him after that. I would think so because it's obvious why he's attacking them at that point. Right. It's to stop them from killing innocent people. Right. So that's not really like a crime against Batman at all. That would have been him preventing a crime against them that they performed. Anyway, after he takes out all this, he goes up to the top floor of the video game level and finds the Joker uh, who <laughs> who's there with the dogs. Who are hungry. <laughs> My dogs are hungry. Despite eating that man already, I assume. I assume. Um, they're still hungry and they attack Batman. 
But Batman, like, goddamn. So Batman doesn't have, has this, this moral code where he won't kill people, but he sure kicks a dog off of Skyscraper here. Yeah. <laughs> and it shouldn't be funny, but it's such a hollow, like, hitting a watermelon with a baseball noise that, like, this dog makes when Batman bats it with a backhand. It's just a big noise that I can't help but laugh because it's so, like, cruel sounding. They're big dogs attacking him. What are you going to do? Right. You got to get them off of you. But, like, damn, dude, just kick that pit bull off the building. This is Sparta. Boo! (laughs) Jeez. Uh, And then, uh... The Joker's got him pinned down. And he's like, you want to know how I got these scars? And this line is classic. Batman says, no, but I know how you got these. And shoots these things from his arm at the Joker, giving him scars. Mm-hmm. And then throws the Joker off the roof. And the Joker is laughing his ass off. I think it's because Batman told a joke. This is a very Killing Joke-esque moment where they both laugh at the end a bunch. Yeah. That's how I interpret it. Joker's laughing because Batman basically said a joke. He quipped. And the Joker's like, holy shit, dude. (laughs) And then that's when he kind of realizes, like, you know, we're destined to do this forever. And Batman, of course, saves him. And he's dangling there. And a great great shot that spins so that he's right side up but he's still dangling it's so interesting looking and uh joker fills him in on what his plan was all along which was to corrupt harvey dent so batman has to go figure that out because dent has gordon's family now and gordon goes to stop dent batman goes to stop dent this is our final scene in a movie yep you have Dent being extra as fuck. Shut up! <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a little much. And then Gordon shows up, starts pleading with him. Please, Harvey, just kill me instead. And I'm like, that would make more sense than shooting the child. He's like, but he's like, what you love I'm edgy as fuck. It's about what's fair. And I'm like, like I it's disagree. It's about what's fair. <laughs> This is the way he actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking too much. It's it's a little much. So, obviously, Batman shows up and is like, why don't you point the gun at the people that deserve it? And Harvey's like, I... Fair enough. <laughs> Flips coin. Batman dies. Shoots Batman. Batman's dead, LMAO. Do you believe it? No. Do you believe it for one second? Anyway, aims gun at himself. No, no, no good. Aims gun at Gordon. Goes to shoot him. Batman tackles him off the fucking ledge. Yeah. I believe they both fall. But yeah, it looks like Batman lands on top of him. So I want to point out that this is technically Batman killing him. Yeah. This is Batman taking a life. No, no, no. Batman killed Harvey Dent. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Because they make a big deal out of Batman's not a murderer. Now, there wasn't a whole lot of leeway in this scene. Like, I think this is a callback to something. I mean, it's not like it's not like he was like, in this moment, I'm going to kill Harvey Dent. No, he just didn't want Gordon to die. Right. Or the kid or whatever. Like, right. it's, it's a callback to there's a great moment where Batman does indeed kill somebody in The Dark Knight Returns. 
Yeah. But he's forced in a situation, uh, much like the end of Man of Steel, where you have to kill. There is no other option. The outcome of not killing would be worse than the outcome of killing. So it's basically like there's a guy who is holding a gun to a child. And he's like, I'll do it. You'll have to kill me to make me not do it. And then Batman shoots that guy in the head. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what he had to do. And then he grabs the baby away from the corpse and says, I believe you. <laughs> and uh, it's dope. It, But I get the sense from that that it's something that Batman doesn't always do right. and doesn't want to do. They forced his hand. That's kind of how I view this a little bit. Yeah, I agree. But it's a little messy. Especially given the ending of this movie where it's like, well, let's just say I'm a murderer even though I'm not because I didn't do anything wrong, actually. Whatever. Yep, and then you get your, your iconic <laughs> Dark Knight speech <laughs> as he's running off. It's good shit. It's, I love the ending of this movie. Yeah. It sets up a great, 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 great premise for a third movie that they don't utilize as well as I would have hoped. Yes. But I love the idea of it. The idea that Batman will now be hunted by the police because he takes credit for dense murders to preserve the shining example of Harvey Dent so that the Joker does not win. The Joker was wrong. Which, like, everybody just goes goes with it and believes it, I guess. Even though Batman's never killed anybody before. But hey, whatever. <laughs> And that's The Dark Knight. I know it sounds like we bitched about it a bit. Great movie, though. But it is a fantastic movie. It's nearly perfect, except for all that shit. That shit kind of holds it back from being like a 10 for me. But it's executed really well. Are you putting a number two? I don't want to. You want to put a number one? I want to put a number one. If we disagree, we disagree. I think, yeah, I think we do disagree. But because... Once, like, I, I know, we, me and you kind of talked about this the previous night when we watched the movie, but I like the fact that Begins is a more contained, cohesive plot. I like I like the banter between the characters in, in Begins much better. Obviously, Dark Knight has the stronger villains. Obviously, you can't beat the Heath Ledger Joker. It's iconic. But... I think the movie suffers by Joker's ridiculous infinity brain plan. <laughs> uh, Harvey Dent is a character. And uh, well, just the way he's acted, not as a character, but the way he's acted. And, uh, and I don't know, like the characters feel like almost the exact same, but just a little bit less human compared to Begins. I think the Dark Knight attempts something harder than Batman Begins. Yeah. And I like the big sweeping themes of the movie. And I like how big it is in comparison to the Batman Begins. There's yeah. so much to it that I can't help but, like, even when there's stuff that's going wrong with it, be in awe of it a little bit. Because it's immaculately paced and edited. It's really well done. Yeah. Be that as it may, yeah, there is a bunch of stupid shit in it, but I don't think it's anything that drags it down too much for me. It's still a fascinating movie to watch. 
Yeah. And I think, like, my argument would be this. Batman Begins, what would you give it out of 10? Batman Begins probably got 9.5. Okay, so, like, usually I find Batman Begins is coasting along at a 9 for out for about, like, the whole movie. Yeah. And that's fine. It's very consistent. The Dark Knight, while it's not consistent, is coasting along at a 9, but then there's moments that bump it up to, like, a fucking 10, and then it goes back down to a 9, and then there's, like, some moments that bump it down to, like, a 7, briefly. But then it goes back, like, immediately. And I think I honestly, like, have to say, despite the fact that, like, it stumbles a little bit, I respect that a little bit more, because it has things that are by and large, more iconic, more memorable, and more important than Batman Begins could even dream of having well, in yeah. this movie. Yeah, I guess it's the fall of it. As a whole, it is small. less consistent. Yeah. But I think it is the better film with the better, bigger ideas and themes and possibly even performances. Granted, some of them are a bit wonky, like Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> I feel like everybody's, and I think in this movie, everybody's perform. All the main cast performances are worse in this movie compared to Begins. I mean, besides maybe not Morgan particularly. Freeman. Besides Morgan Freeman is better. Alfred is better, like or at same. least the same. He's the exact same. Gordon has more to do and is therefore better. Uh, Bale is about the same. He's a little worse. I would say just a little, and that's only in Batman Deep Voice, which doesn't really get really grating to me until the third one. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we disagree, I guess what we disagree, I'd like to have a definitive Ganon Jub list, though. Well, then just so put like, the Dark Knight of One and be a normie, buddy. Get him. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you want me to do? It's, I, I mean, think the Joker and his ideals and the things that he says are way more interesting than anything they did with Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow. Not to say that shit is bad. That's great. That shit's great. But it's a fascinating take on these characters that stands the test of time and is will be looked at and analyzed for years to come. Not all the plot elements work. I get that. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. I'll concede that point to you. Yeah. That The Dark Knight is an infinitely more influential movie yeah. than Batman Begins. I just prefer Batman Begins. So I'll, I'll just... The, the pure impact of The Dark Knight and the, the fucking, like, the takeover of culture that it spawned has to be respected. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's it's kind of like... It's kind of like something with, like, you know... You might prefer Revolver to Sergeant Pepper, but like Sergeant Pepper's the one right. that like changed things forever. <laughs> to quote the joke, man. You might prefer the wall, but Dark Side of the Moon. Sure, changed things. Yeah, oddly, and this movie in in that quote is represented as well. You've changed things forever. There's no going back. And it's a for better or worse scenario. It is. It's definitely a for better or for worse scenario. In like, if it wasn't for the Dark Knight, we wouldn't have admittedly cool shit like a lot of the MCU. But we also wouldn't have 
Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad and a lot of the bad, edgy DC movies that came through the pipeline. Right. But conversely, we wouldn't have shit like Joker that, you know, I think is good. It's great. Um, it's fascinating, at least. I like that it's different. It's, it's a great movie that I don't like watching. Well, Can't wait to watch you know, that again. it's going to be a while, so. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> Next week, we finish out the Nolan trilogy. I, guess we're I got to- a couple more things to oh, okay. go through. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. If that's all right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We are running long, buddy. I knew we would. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. This is a big movie. Like I just fucking said. Number one. Number one with a bullet that you that got shot into some brick and then Batman removes the brick and takes it back to his house uh. to analyze the bullet. <laughs> uh, do you remember the viral marketing? I think so. There was whysoserious.com, yeah. and you'd have to like, uh, you have to send emails or something, and it would reveal the first picture of the Joker. That shit was cool. There was eventually a promotion that if you sent in a picture of the Joker, of you, of you as the Joker, they sent you a honest to god copy of the Gotham Times with lots of like Easter eggs and articles. Yeah, uh, that's cool. That probably runs you a pretty penny on eBay nowadays. Um, uh, so the opening scene is a. Uh, IMAX filmed the bank heist and was released prior to the movie. It was paired with I Am Legend yes, in 2007. I, I this, yeah. Uh, Nolan still uses this marketing technique today. I just saw um, last year uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. But there was a big tenant scene beforehand uh, that seemed to be, I guess, the intro to the movie. Uh, so he's still doing that thing. We'll talk about that technique. Next week, a little bit more with The Dark Knight Rises. Oh boy, that opening scene. (sighs) For you. So, yeah, on January 22nd, 2008, uh, after filming had been completed, Heath Ledger died from an accidental prescription drug overdose. Yes. And uh, this significantly heightened the attention the film received in the media. Uh... To the point that, like, this was the most talked about movie of that year, easily. Easily. By um, a mile. As Christopher Nolan recalled, it was tremendously emotional right when he passed, having to go back in and look at him every day during the editing of the film. Uh, but the truth is, I feel very lucky to have something productive to do and have a performance that he was very, very proud of and that he had entrusted to me to finish. Uh, Ledger's sister, Kate, recently spoke out about his uh, last moments and his future plans. Quote, I spoke to him the night before he died, and we were laughing and joking. He was so proud of what he had done in Batman, and I know he had plans for another Batman. He loved working with Chris Nolan and Christian Bale and Gary Oldman. He just had the best time ever doing that film. When he came home at Christmas, he couldn't wait to tell us all about it, and he was doing the voice and laughing, showing me all the rushes. We had a great time. So... It, it, it's sad to think what could have been, not yeah. just with the Joker and the movies, but also with Heath Ledger in general. Yeah. Because he was so fucking good. And apparently he had, like, a problem with abusing his prescription drugs, which is a very common problem. <sighs> yeah, it's American not a problem society. limited to Heath Ledger. Yeah, it's a uh, very common problem in American society, and it's really unfortunate. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's all part of that just a completely fucked up medical system we have here. And uh, it was good to hear that, like... You know, he was happy. Yeah, you know? he at least was very proud of that performance, and I'm glad that it got the attention it it deserved, rightfully oh, so. Absolutely, because the film was a tremendous success. 
critically and financially, widely regarded as one of the best superhero films of all time. You got that 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think anything goes higher than that, Hard by the way, yeah. uh, in this series. Grossed over a billion against an $185 million budget. Uh, Roger Ebert called it, quote, a haunted film that leaps beyond its origins and becomes an engrossing tragedy and gave it a rare four out of four stars. Uh, he's usually pretty harsh. Especially it, on comic book movies. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actor for Ledger, and Best Sound Editing, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Film Editing. It won the first two. Uh, posthumously, Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger, and it also won Best Sound Editing. Now, it's interesting to note, though, uh, that despite getting nominated for a lot of Oscars, it did not get nominated for Best Picture. And this led to a bit of a controversy over this perceived snub from fans. Uh, it's widely speculated that the Oscars' decision the following year to extend the amount of Best Picture nominees from five up to ten was a direct result of the fallout of uh, The Dark Knight not getting a nom the previous year, which is uh, kind of interesting. Its legacy is unparalleled. It changed the Oscars. Now they can sometimes decide to have eight movies. Sometimes. <laughs> they can decide to throw Green Book in there if they wanted to. You know, it's a stupid idea to do it, but you could do it if you oh, want to. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, there was a lot to talk about with this movie, and there will be for some years to come. Cause, uh, I don't think the conversation ends here, for sure. No. Uh, obviously, this isn't part of any universe ever anymore, and, you know, we're going to have probably 15 more Batmans in our lifetime <laughs> and but this movie is going to stand the test of time I think so and remain as something that people constantly go back to uh, even more so than Batman 89 and maybe any other superhero movie in I think general. it stands this this trilogy of movies despite Rises not being as good um, definitely stands as like probably the pinnacle of Batman film, like as far as like as a set, yeah, you know, and it, 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 that nobody's gotten close. I mean, nobody has like really attempted like a, just a solo Batman movie since then. But I mean, Batman well, we're Superman getting one count. soon. Yeah, next year, another one's happening soon. We get a new Batman and see how it goes. Robert Pattinson. I'm very excited about that. I am too. Um, the set photos are interesting. I like the look. Some people have been criticizing it, but it's not finalized. Uh, I believe they're going to add a cape in CGI, which is pretty common. They did it for this movie, by the way. So, yeah. what makes it so it could like flow? Because like it's actually the way you think capes flow. Like they don't. People, they don't. It, they, nah. they, they tend to be like. I mean, like look at look at. Remember Batman eighty nine, the cape. I do. Right. So that that's ten. That tends to be what it actually looks like. So that's why that's always CGI'd. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Who cares? Do you concede that it's number one? Sure. Put it on there. Fuck it. I, I kind of let you have Batman Begins over uh, Phantasm. But I'm okay with that. I feel like it's it's important to note that like these are all close in my brain. I think so, yeah. I think even though I was arguing more for Dark Knight, like, Batman Begins still, like, really fucking good. Yeah, it's great. Um, better than I remember, even. I told you you would, too. 
I told you you'd like that movie way more than you remembered. It's a great so, movie. So, if we're uh, at our current ranking here, it would be The Dark Knight, then Batman Begins, then Mask of the Phantasm, then Batman 66, yeah, then Batman 89. I can't wait for that to stay in the top five. That it's may great. not be true. We'll see. Then Batman Returns, then Birds of Prey. <laughs> Out of time at the moment. And uh, then Batman Forever, then Batman and Robin, then uh, everybody's favorite film, Catwoman. Ugh. At the bottom, and it'll stay there. Yeah, it will definitely stay there. I mean, like, so next week we got The Dark Knight Rises. Where are you predicting this goes? Because I'm going to say that I may think that it's worse than maybe even Batman 89. I, I, I would think so, too. I think that's probably where it's going to go, right underneath 89. I think it has enough unique, interesting ideas and good performances that I might think it's better than Returns, but there is a lot of dumb shit in it that I don't like. Well, that's the same case with Returns. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to give it to Returns. We'll see what happens. Penguin eats fish. It's obvious plus. Goodbye. For you.